are, are we live? We're live. F it. We're doing it live. Little, 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 little Bill wow. O'Reilly there. Little, little, little bit there. Little, little Bill O'Reilly wow. for you. Were we talking about it beforehand? Did we yeah. just start off with a little bit. Yeah. That was my bit. It wasn't great. We'll come up with better ones in the future. <laughs> we'll just have to do some bits coming up. We'll welcome, to welcome bits. to the bat around. This is Paul Valley, your host. With me, as always, my co-host and producer Zach Goodman. Uh, today's show, the bat around, brought to you by the Live Casino and Hotel, the best place to be for the playoffs and all the big upcoming events. Playoffs for what? This is an old read. That, the yeah. best place to be for all the big upcoming events is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Bet on every sport with 61 self-service kiosks open 24-7 and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. UFC 277 is tonight. You can watch the Juliana Pena, Amanda Nunez rematch for free and walk out a big winner by betting all of the fights on the card. Reserve your spot right now by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. That's events at sportssocialmd.com. Zachary. Paul. Great to see your beautiful, it's great shining, to be back. It's great to be buxom back. young face. <laughs> How are you today? I've never heard that word, by the way. Buxom? You've never heard the I've word I've never heard buxom? that word. Wow. I, I think I used it correctly. i got to be honest. Sometimes I use words, and I know what they mean <laughs> as far as the usage, I, but I don't, I don't know. know the actual definition, so let's look up the No, re- regardless, it's good to be back. Uh, good to talk some O's, and of course... They're playing some good baseball right now. I, I, you know, I, I have to be excited to talk about that. They're, they've won what five of their last seven games, and they're looking like a real baseball team compared to I what we've seen in the did, last few years. What are we doing here? I'm getting right into it, but you can go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I did not use the word buxom correctly. <laughs> I, I don't, I, it yeah, means I, it's to describe a large-breasted woman. Oh, nice. So you do not have nice. a buxom face unless you're wow. talking about uh, your buxom cheekbones. Sounds like a, a compliment I got. Okay. Anyway, but no, yeah, yeah look, Orioles playing great baseball. 51-49 and 49 after their victory yesterday. Uh, five wins in their last seven games. Yeah. They won 10 games in a row. Right, and then they enter a 10-game stretch with the Yankees and the Rays. And I think that we all could have agreed if the Orioles can somehow manage to go 5-5 five and five in those 10 games, they'll be sitting pretty because then they yeah. have nine games against sub-500 teams, right? And so what do they do? They lose four of the first six. And you're sitting there and you're like, they're better than the bad teams, yeah. not as good as the good teams. And then they take three or four from the Rays, and they end up going 5-5 five and five in those 10 games. Now look... Let's not be mistaken. This ain't the 2021 Tampa Bay Rays. They are probably the most injured team in the league, but they can still pitch, right? They won a game that they they were showing no signs of life against Shane McClanahan. As soon as he gets out of the game, they come back, they win the ball game. Right. Um, they won a game against... Wait, did they win a game against Corey Kluber? Uh, I, I, was that was that the game on Wednesday night that I was at where they lost? Where Mateo hit the hit the game tying home run in the ninth inning? Well, Kluber didn't qualify for either a win or a loss. So no, I, he I, didn't. Right. So I, I'm not entirely sure what I I remember them not really hitting. Kluber no, no, no. For it, it, the first it, it, few it, no, they won the game against Kluber. They won the game against McClanahan. They won the game against Yarborough. It was uh, Rasmussen. Who got who got yeah, to start in that, and, and, yeah. and, and, and that Wednesday night game? Man, I'm telling you, Tyler Wells came out in that game, and he got like. He got hit. He did. It was, like, explosive off the bat the first couple of innings. He settled it down, and then he got hurt. Yeah. And I don't know if they had the MRI results back yet, but if it's not a lat or an oblique, I'd be extremely shocked. But anyway, yeah. that's neither here nor there. The Orioles are, are winning baseball games, right? So they go 5-5 five and five in those 10 games against the Rays, and then they go into the game against uh, Cincinnati last night. And Kyle Bradish gets the start. And immediately gives up a two-run homer in the first inning. And you're sitting there, and you're like, 
Oh my God. Yeah. What just happened? Especially to Joey Votto. You know, he's had a down year, and the guy is a, a shell of his former self. That, no, that's true. But this is also a guy who just last year hit 40 home runs. You're right. You're right. You know, so, and Joey Votto has, you know, damaged a lot of pitchers. So it, Fair. It, it's, it's like, look, if Joey Votto gets you, okay. The problem that you're having is that it happened in the first inning, yeah. in his first start back, a guy who has an ERA approaching eight yeah. on the year. And you're, so you're sitting there, you're like, oh, what do we get ourselves into? And then he shuts it down. Yeah. He completely shuts them down. No walks, seven strikeouts, five hits, two runs, throws 81 pitches, 52 strikes in the in his first start back. His best start since May 10th, May 11th against the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. He allowed two runs in seven innings. And this is what he was doing in the minor leagues. He was throwing strikes. And the whole thing with Brandon Hyde with this Orioles pitching staff and what, what they're doing with their catchers, they're setting their catchers up in the middle of the plate, right? right? And they're saying, attack, throw strikes. He attacked. Five innings, two runs, doesn't give up a run after the two-run homer in the first inning. And he gives the Orioles, a, not a quality start as far as quality starts are, are concerned, but it was a quality start in that he gave them five innings and he kept them in the ball game. Right. But the Orioles were getting guys on base inning after inning after inning, and they're not getting the job done. Tony Taters comes up. Was it the fifth inning that he hit the two-run homer? I, it might have been the sixth inning. It was, the, it was pretty late in the game. The, yeah. the, he hits the two-run homer, ties the ball game, and then the Orioles score four runs in the ninth inning and end up winning that ball game 6-2. to two. And it, it, it's like the, the cardiac kids, the comeback kids, yeah. the, these guys doing it. Their 23rd comeback victory of the season. Unbelievable stuff. Anthony Santander, over the All-Star break, he liked the status of mine that said, Anthony Santander <laughs> is not a three or four hitter. He yeah. should never hit higher than fifth in the order. And honestly, on this team, seventh would be ideal for him. He liked that status. Anthony Santander yeah. uh, 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 every now and again goes on these binges on Twitter and on social media where he likes negative st- negative posts about him. I mean, he he can do that only once. Yeah. Um, it's not going to change what the, what the Orioles feel about him or, or what the fans feel it, about it him. Hurt but it's my heart odd. because overwhelmingly, my I have like 800 tweets about Anthony Santander, mm-hmm. and there's like five that are negative. Yeah. Right? I love me some Tony You've always, liked, you've always I, liked Santander. I, I said sure. Santander in 2020 would be the best player to out, not named Adley Rutschman to come out of this rebuild. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're probably seeing that's not the case. But in the second half, to start the second half, he's 11 for 28, three home runs, nine RBIs. He's been unbelievable. And every home run he hits is big. Right. N- none of them are like none of them are in like a game where you're down six to one. Yeah. They're all big game time go ahead home runs or home runs to pull the back within a run or two. Right. They're they're all important. He's having himself a great second half. He's having himself a really good year. He's hitting 254. Yeah. Uh, eight, 18 home runs. He's got a team leading, what, 55 RBI, something like that, 54. Right. And I wouldn't have said that a month ago. Yeah. I wouldn't have said he's having a great year because he he wasn't getting on base to that high of a clip. And he has walked more this year, which I'll give him a lot of credit for. Clearly, whatever they did in spring training, I think it was with the medicine balls. We talked about that. They did a little it with bit. Ryan Mountcastle, too. We're going to get into him. Right. In a and, and Santander has been able to walk a little more. That was one of his key drawbacks. And that's one of the reasons that we've kind of been campaigning for him to be traded for a while. And I'm not going to really change that opinion. I'm not going to say, and we're going to talk about that, obviously, in Orioles banter coming up here. But. I'm not so, I, you know, this stretch for 11 for 28, and he's played well. I'm not really changing my opinion uh, of the the from the broader spectrum of Anthony mm-hmm. Santander. But, you know, what he's doing right now, this is probably kind of indicative of the player he is, a little more than what he did in the beginning of the year, because we, we saw the talent he has in 2020. We saw the guy that was, at, at one point in 2020, an MVP candidate. He was playing yeah. out of his mind. And, and, it, it, and it was a continuation 
from 2019 where he burst onto the scene. Right, And, and right. he had 21, 21, 21 homers. Yeah. He was hitting close to 300 at the beginning of September, has the labrum issue in his shoulder, and went dead yeah. in, in the last month of the season, ended the, ended the year on uh, on the injured list. I don't think they actually officially put him on the injured list, but he ended the year hurt. Right, right. Um, and then he comes out healthy to start 2020. He's leading the team in home runs and RBIs, and he's the most valuable Oriole despite basically missing a month yeah. of the of that season in a two month season. And then last year he hurts the ankle and he never really got it going, except yeah. for a, a small stretch in August. But what he's doing right now, he kind of looks like that player, he the, does. you know, that that we saw in 2019 and 2020. That looks like one of the better play, one of the better outfielders when you have, when you consider he's a switch hitter with power from both sides. He plays decent. He, he the Orioles. He's taken them from um, I think it's a negative three run de- uh, not right, negative three defensive runs saved to like two defensive runs saved. Yeah, in he, right field, he's surprisingly good out there because yeah. he's an okay athlete. I, I wouldn't rank him as one of the better athletes even on the team, but he he gets around enough out well, there to be to be okay. Here's the thing: he's in tremendous shape. Yes, he, he's a strong in, guy. If yeah. you look at the guy, he is a rock. Yeah, he he's in tremendous shape. Maybe he, he no, he's not the fastest guy. Maybe he's not the most agile no. guy, but he's athletic. No, he's an athletic yeah. guy. Um, and, and look, he he he's doing his part. He's shoving it in my face. You know, he's been batting third or fourth the entire the, mm-hmm. uh, all these games in the second half, and he's eleven for twenty-eight with three home runs and nine RBIs. So he's eight RBIs. Excuse me. He he's he's doing his part. Another guy doing his part. Adley Rutschman hitting out of the two hole again last night. Five games in the two hole in the second half of the season. He's five for sixteen with five walks. So he's five games. He's on base twice. I mean, every game. This is what we expected, right? Like when we talked about at the beginning of the year, especially from opening day on, about what we're going to get out of Adley Rutschman this year. This is kind of what you expected: that run producer, that guy who's in the top of the lineup, and not not the guy who's batting six. Although he'll continue to do that, I think against um, you know against left-handed pitchers because he is a little bit worse from the right side. But this is a guy when batting in the two hole is a a run producer. He's a guy who makes things happen. He gets on base. This is this is a seriously good player. This is the person that has probably been the best player on the Orioles for the past two or three weeks, and I think that's kind of what we expected him to be. I mean, it, you know, you've seen Ryan Mountcastle in a bit of a slump here. You've seen Austin Hayes in a little bit of a slump over the past few weeks as well. Rutschman stepped forward and been that guy who's been on base constantly, whether it's a hit by pitch or whether it's a walk or whether, of course, it's a hit. He's getting on base, and that's the important part, and that's what the Orioles need him to do, and, and he's done it. Uh, no, a- absolutely, absolutely. And, and I said it the other day, and, and real quick, he was... um. Rutschman from the right from the right side to mm-hmm. start the year. I think he was six for forty five. Yeah. Uh, to start the year from the right hand side, um, he is three for his last six batting okay. right handed. Three Good. for his last yeah. six, and he's been getting on base more too from the right side. I think that it was just it was such a small sample size. Yeah. Literally about a third of his at bats were were and he, and he hit a right ball side. in Camden Yards the other day that would it would have, have been a home out. run and basically twenty nine other. It was twenty nine, right? Right. Exactly. So that that's again indicative of what the guy can do. Right. And. I'm watching him the other day when when um, when Arias hit the two run homer right, and he comes up, and I'm, and all you need out of him is a guy to get on base, mm-hmm. right? You need him to get on base, and, and, I, and I don't think it was when Arias hit the two run homer. I think it was a different game, but it sparked a rally, and I'm watching him, and I'm like. This dude just needs to get on base. Right. That's all he needs to do. It was it was on Wednesday night. It was on Wednesday night. He comes okay. up to the play. I'm like, the, the Orioles are down right now. He needs to get on base. And he works a 3-2 count. He's fouling off a couple of pitches. And then he takes a walk. Yeah. And he was down in that count, I think, 0-2. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, man, 
This guy is special. He's special. He's 24 he years is. old. He's played 53 big league games. Yeah. And he takes the most professional bats on the team. He's already, in my opinion, the best player on the team. I wouldn't disagree. And he had two different um, plate appearances that ended up with him getting on base in that game on Wednesday night where he ended up scoring because of savvy base yeah. running. Scored on yeah. a wild pitch, scored on an errant throw when he when he went to third base on, on somebody else's base hit. Yeah. Um, on Trey Mancini's base hit. He's, what he's doing at his age and for how inexperienced he is at the big league level it's impressive, and, and it's crazy because you're just scratching the surface. And his IQ is off the charts. Mm-hmm. This guy knows baseball mm-hmm. in and out, and he's got such an, an incredible knowledge of the strike zone. Um, the, his discipline is among the best I've ever seen out of an Orioles player, and this is a guy who can work a walk in literally any count. He can get down 0-2 and still work a walk. Mm-hmm. I mean, this We've is, seen it a number of and times. And he's done it a number of times. And he's probably, you know, he, he, didn't start the, uh, he didn't start the season with the Orioles, obviously. It took him a few months to come up, but I imagine he'll be near the, the walk leaders at the end of the year, because this is a guy who just knows how to get on base. I, and think, he's al- I think he's already one of the team leaders. It might be I think second he is, in yeah. doubles. Right. In, he, in doubles. He, he's, been, he's been killing the ball. Extra base hits, walks, and this is the guy we expected to see. And the baseball IQ, his framing, his ability to block the ball, his knowledge of what base to throw to at all times, these are all the intangibles that make Adley Rutschman Adley Rutschman. It's not just about the bat, it's not just about the glove, but it's about the baseball IQ. And I think that's why they felt so comfortable taking him number one overall, because they knew he was so special in all those categories. He's a rookie. Yeah. And he's a two-win player. Yeah, through fifty-three it's games. Incredible. That's a third of a yeah. season. That's a six-win player. Yeah, that's a, in his rookie year. Right. He's only going to get. We're talking who, who about got a guy, off to a slow start too. Right. We're talking about a guy who is going to potentially be an MVP candidate, maybe as early as next year. Yeah. How, how good he, yeah. he's, he's a perennial All Star. Sure. He, he's there's not a doubt in my mind. This guy he could he could be hitting 240 at the break next year, and he's going to be an All Star. Yeah. Next year. He, well, he's going to be among the best catchers regardless, right? I right. mean, it, just because of his defense, this is a guy who will always be among the best of the catchers, just like Matt Wieters was. Mm-hmm. Now you look at um, what happened in that ninth inning, right? It's a leadoff walk by Ramon Arias, whose bat has cooled a little bit. And then Odor comes up. And we're going to talk about Odor here in a second. Yeah. And he doubles, right? And so now you have runners on second and third. There's nobody out. Mm -hmm. And Mateo flies out. Doesn't score a run. It was more like a pop-out. Doesn't doesn't score a run. And you're thinking, this is a microcosm of the entire game. The entire game where they're getting guys on base and they left 23 men on as a team. Crazy. Last night, 23 men left on base. And you're just sitting there and you're like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I think they had first and third at one point uh, yesterday. No, they had first and second, nobody out yesterday, and they didn't score. Right. They didn't and, even get the guys and over. And then they had first and third with one out, I believe, and still didn't and, score. And, and yeah. didn't score. But then Mullins comes up, drawing an infield, uh, laces a ground ball, single up the middle, scores two runs. Then you get the, uh, what was it, a sack fly? Um, I believe, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, from, what was it, Trey Mancini? Uh, the sack fly at the near the end of the game. Of the yeah, yeah, that, that was Trey Mancini. That, that was Ryan Mountcastle. Mountcastle. Oh, Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah. And, and look, the Orioles they, they score four runs in the inning. They they win six to two. Anthony Santander got drilled in the leg. He did. He had three hits in the game. He had a two run homer to tie the game in the yep. fifth or fifth or sixth inning. Can't remember exactly. Um, and he had called timeout right as the pitch. What was it? Who was the pitcher? This is a guy I actually hadn't heard of. It was like Mourinho, I believe, okay. or something along those lines. So he calls time right as the guy's about to throw a pitch. It, the umpire doesn't have to grant it. He did it. He did. It. He granted yeah. it. So then the next pitch he takes in the leg, and it starts a little bit of a scuffle. Nobody throw. No jabs are thrown, but yeah. bench is clear, dugout's clear. Do you think there was intent there in a game that's still close? Maybe it's not close at that point. 
because it's it's already six to two, and you're thinking yeah. we're not. But was there intent there? I, you know, I don't want to blame anybody for something that I I don't you know I don't know if there was intent behind it 100. percent But I'm gonna say there was, uh, mm-hmm. based on the fact that he was standing on the mound, kind of smirking a little bit after he did it, and the fact that he called time, and, it, and clearly he didn't like that. The pitcher did mm-hmm. not like that. Prior and where he to, hit him prior to the pitch, and then the pitch wasn't even close. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was a good couple feet off the plate um, left. So at 98 miles per hour, it wasn't like he hit him with a curveball. I'm going to say there was probably intent Pro- behind that. Probably. It's going to be hard to prove. I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to suspend him because that's, no, that's a it, tough it, thing to say. I don't think that they suspend uh, The only time that I remember somebody getting suspended for something like that was when Cole Hamels hit um, Bryce Harper in the butt. Right. Or maybe the... <laughs> no, it was in the back. I think it was in the back um, in his rookie year. Right. I mean, and, I think and, caused- and, and, and he basically said... He's a rookie. He's got to. He, he he's got to earn his spot in yeah. this league. So be, he basically said, "I did intentionally," and then he got suspended for a game or something like that. I don't think that this pitcher gets suspended for that. Right. If it caused punches to be thrown, if Santander yeah. comes up and punches him, then that's a, a whole different story. And that and that well, we've seen that happen this year already with with different guys getting hit and then punching each other. But you know, I this one it's going to be really hard to prove intent. But I do think it was intentional. So I'm, I'm, I was at the game on Wednesday. Austin Hayes okay. got hit twice. Yeah. Right. And the one time he got hit in. In, the, in his wrist that's been mm, sore. I know. Right? And I was in the upper deck, and I saw him yell, GD it. Right? Like, I yeah. saw, like, it was very clear what he yelled. And apparently the Masson cameras <laughs> showed it in slow motion. Um, the Orioles got hit three times in that game. Then the next day, Hayes gets hit, hit again. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you need to be headhunting. But at some point, don't you need to kind of stick up for yourselves? Don't you kind of need to be like? I wouldn't personally. Um, I, I don't. Free base runners are not a good idea. But, I, but I'm, not, I'm I'm not saying that you need to do it in a close ball game. Mm-hmm. Maybe a game you're up five to one or six to two in the ninth would be an opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe early in the game, like, hey, we're not going to take this lying down. The Orioles have to be one of the most hit teams in the league. They, I, it, yeah, I agree. I mean, Rutschman's been hit twice this past week. Yeah. Austin Hayes got hit three times in two games. Santander got hit by a pit. We're watching these guys get hit on a, on a regular basis. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that every team is throwing at the Orioles, but at some point you got to say, "Hey, look, we're not gonna, we're not, we're not your your the Orioles of yesteryear. We're not mm-hmm. taking this anymore." And you got to. Again, I'm not saying headhunt, but let them know, look, if you're going to throw at us, we're going to throw right back at you. You know, I, as far as Austin Hayes goes, he's always stood very close to the plate. He kind of hugs the plate when he when he's hitting. So, Do you ever play MLB The Show? Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he is on the plate in right. his batting sense. Exactly, anyway. and I think that's kind of, it, it's realistic compared to what he does in real life. And he stands very close, and when you're a pitcher throwing 98, like the guy last night, sometimes it gets away from you. I get that. You're not always going to be perfect, and a lot of guys are throwing harder and harder these days, and it's a little harder to control, especially when a guy's right up on the plate like Austin Hayes is. So, for him, I maybe see some excuses there of why he gets hit a lot, because he's always gotten hit. If you look back in his career since 2017, he's gotten hit many times, but Santander is a guy who doesn't really stand that close the plate and he has an open stance meaning that half of his body's kind of angled away from the plate so you know you look at, at at guys like that and Rutschman is the same way with the open stance so it starts to get a little more confusing about why these guys are getting hit so much it does seem like it happens all the time but look I don't care as long as they're not hurt it's a free base runner I'll take it all day fair enough fair enough um you mentioned Mountcastle and Hayes they combined to go one for nine last night with two strikeouts 11 men left on base Mountcastle did have the sack fly um and a walk I believe Hayes had the, had the one base hit. These guys aren't hitting. No, uh, the, these guys aren't hitting. I'm I'm going to read off to you some numbers. Ryan Mountcastle in June slash two ninety seven three forty five six fourteen in July 
190, 231, 298. He hasn't homered in four weeks. Yeah. Austin Hayes in April, 293, 376, 467. In May, 299, 355, 443. 250, 284, 510 in June, but six home runs, 23 RBIs. Yeah. 205, 267, 308 in July, one home run, two RBIs. Yeah. Ryan Mountcastle is in his third season. Okay, now look, it was a truncated 33-game sample size in twenty uh, in 2020, but he looked fantastic, yeah. right? He looks like he's regressed. The pitching that he's, the pitches that he's chasing, he's not. He had the same medicine ball routine in spring training that Anthony mm-hmm. Santander did. Santander is getting on base. Ryan Mountcastle is still chasing everything under the sun. Yeah, and I'm watching him in that game on um, what's today, Saturday, in that game on Thursday against the Rays. I watched him take a pitch right down the middle for strike one, mm. and then swing it at the next pitch for strike two, high and tight, nowhere near the strike zone. Yeah. He's constantly chasing pitches. And this is a guy whose batting average is as high as 286 at one, uh, 281 at one point this year, and he's all the way down to like 252. Yeah, Hayes was up to 286 at one point, and he's down to about 254. Yeah, yeah. What is happening with these two guys that... And look, I, I think that they'll get back to where they were at some point. The Orioles are winning in spite of them yeah. right now. Uh, not in spite of them, despite them, right now. What's going on with these guys? That they, they 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 just they haven't hit for a month. Right. A month. I I think they're gonna have to take a page at at the Rutschman's book at some point with with pitch selection because neither of them have shown any discipline at the plate lately. Um, you look at Hayes and it's been the high fastball that's getting Hayes every time. He's just mm-hmm. swinging at these fastballs that are you know a foot above the zone, and every time I'm thinking. It's not. What, what do you expect to do with that? You know, at the best, you make contact, you pop it up. You're mm-hmm. not going to do anything with those. Leave, you know, let them go. And Mountcastle, it's also the fastballs above the zone, but it's also those low sliders that he's really struggled with. It, the the low and away sliders that you know are they're, they're good pitches, of course, but you know you've seen him lay off those in the past, and especially you know you look into April and May, and he was able to lay off them a little bit. So. It's just kind of getting back to that and being able to lay off pitches that, you know, frankly, you're not going to hit. And if you do, you're not going to make quality contact on. So I think that those are the the two biggest things for for both of those guys. And I, I have hope, you know, both of them are going to come back and, and be what they are eventually. Uh, but the Orioles could use it to, to happen sooner rather than later with those two guys because they're, you know, they're really important players and they're, they're two of the most. Uh, they hit in the heart of your order. Right. They're, they're, they're two of the most important players every night. Um, in your lineup, and you got to have them hitting. And if, if they're not hitting, you see games like last night where a lot of guys get left on base because they're the you know generally three and four in your lineup. Uh, uh, what 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 Mountcastle really needs is a tank shot. Yeah, he needs one where he just barrels it up and hits it about four forty to left field. Yeah. That that's what and and Hayes Hayes he needs a gapper. Yeah. He needs one to the right center or left center field gap. To get back, oh yeah, that's what this feels like. Because yeah. they don't know what it feels like. They've forgotten what it feels like to square one up because they haven't done it in so long. Right. I mean, Hayes, his home run this month came on July 3rd. Yeah. Mountcastle hasn't home run. I'm sorry, that was Mountcastle's home run. Hayes' home run came on July 11th, I believe it was. He hasn't home run in three weeks. Mountcastle hasn't home run in four weeks. Yeah. Neither one of them are driving in runs. And they hit in the heart of your order. Orioles are winning because they're getting great pitching. Their bullpen has a 2.99 ERA, which is just bananas. Yeah. Right. And Adley Rutschman is getting on base a ton. Arias has gotten hot, but he's cooled off a little bit. No hits in his last three games, which kind of screwed me. Intake <laughs> to rake, bastard. Cedric Mullins. Cedric uh, Mullins. He didn't win. He didn't win. Who won? 
Well, I, I guess we'll I, leave that for later. Yeah, we'll we'll leave it for later. Because uh, it, it, it's Cedric had a good week though. Cedric had a good week. Not as good as you think. It's a, it's a toss up. Okay. It's a toss up. Um. Before we get to Stan, special moment on Thursday. Mo Gabaday at the ballpark. It's potentially Trey Mancini's last game at home as an Oriole. A lot of us are hoping he doesn't get traded, and we go. And I've been back and forth on this literally all year. Mm-hmm. And you come back to the value that you're going to get in return is not as great as the value he has to this team, even for the rest of this year. Yeah, right. Um, he comes up in the in the bottom of the eighth inning on Thursday with Austin Hayes on first base, and hits a fly ball to right field, routine fly ball. Low loses it. Is it was it? Brent, it was it was Nate Josh Josh, Josh, Lowe. Josh Lowe. Josh Lowe. Josh Lowe loses it in the sun. Ball bounces off his face. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and Kevin Cash said that's that, that's an error. I don't think so because it's not he he didn't not catch he he. I generally think you have to get a glove on it. A, to be you an have error. To, I mean, it yeah. did hit him, but it's not an error because he didn't drop the ball and drops a loose term here because yeah. of skill set. Or because of a bonehead play. He lost it in the sun. That's nature. Yeah. Right? It's like when you're playing golf, and um, we, we'll call him in a minute. Uh, it's like when you're playing golf, and your ball lands on the car path and just stands there. Sure. It just sits there. And that's a man-made hazard. Right. So you get to move the ball. Now you get to move it a club length and backwards to the backside of the car path, right. but you get to move the ball. It's This is not... This is a... This is through no fault of his own. The ball's in the high sky, in the sun, yeah. and it comes down. He's trying to protect himself and hits him in the face, right? Mancini, though, gets the inside the park two-run homer and possibly his final bat on uh, at bat at home as an Oriole on Mo Gabba Day. Orioles get the insurance runs. They're up 3-0. They win a ball game 3-0. How magical was that moment? I got choked up. Oh, I legitimately got choked was, up. I mean, that's, that's, you know, Trey Mancini, if that truly is his last game at Camden Yards, and that's the last thing he ever does there. Um, as an Oriole, of course, that's an incredible moment, and I, I don't think people will forget that for a while. And you could tell the crowd really appreciated it. Um, you could tell that you know everyone was getting a little bit I, like you choked up about it, and it was just a great moment. Trey Mancini, you know, he's meant a lot to this organization, uh, but not only the organization, of course, the city, and especially Mo. So. You know, it, it's great to see Trey have something like that go his way, um, especially after you know the entire history of Trey and his his uh, cancer battle. I may lay by. I, I'm gonna go lay by the bay. What do you say? I just may. Wow. Um, uh, Happy uh, Gilmore. Really? Watch Happy I, Gilmore. I've seen it like ten years ago. It's been a while. I'm not an Adam Sandler guy, but anyway, anyway, you don't have to be an Adam Sandler guy to appreciate <laughs> Happy Gilmore. But I digress. It, it, it was it was it was a magical moment. You're correct, um, and it was great to see that for Trey. I love having things go his way like that because he deserves stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it was great. It was awesome no, I, absolutely. Zaxxon gets stand the fan on the line for us now. I just want to remind you, today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealers. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota Rav4. Available in hybrid or gas only models, a Rav4 can get you where you want to. Go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Coming up on the show, we're going to have Stan the Fan Charles here in just a matter of moments. Uh, Zach Goodman's going to sound off on uh, Catcher out in Oakland. Orioles broadcaster Jeff Arnold is going to join us in the 11 o'clock hour. You're going to get the payoff pitch around the league to see what happened in last night's ball games and what we have on tap for today. Orioles banter, what do you do? And this is going to be a really fun segment where we're going to talk about what the Orioles are going to do at the deadline, what they're going to do with some players that they have that are good now that they may or may not have in the future. And then we're going to close things out with take to rake and our final thoughts 
But right now, on the line with us here in our from our new studios in Towson, we have Stan the Fan, Charles. Stan, it's Paul, it's Zach. Good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, guys. How you doing? Doing really well. A lot better because the Orioles are two games above 500 and they're playing some damn good baseball, Stan. Uh, 16 and, f- and 5 in their last 21 games. They win last night for the fifth time in seven games, 6-2 to two over the Reds. Kyle Bradish, five innings pitch. He gives up the two-run homer in the first and nothing else. Stan, the important thing that I saw, he was pitch efficient, 81 pitches, 52 strikes in those five innings, and no walks to go along with those seven strikeouts. What did you see from Kyle Bradish last night? Uh, I saw what we saw when he first came up. You know, a really lively fastball. And uh, when used right and and when he could control it, his curveball really pivots off nicely off of that. Uh, I thought it was a real plus performance for him. No, and it's certainly something that... that helps the Orioles, especially after losing Tyler Wells to the IL with that lower bat. Do we know, have you heard anything yet about what this injury is exactly? I have still not heard an exact definition of it. I've heard that it's a, it's a bat lower back discomfort, uh, but it has not been pegged as an oblique. Um, you know, it's funny. I've been in the clubhouse a couple of times. I look at him. He's a massive guy. He's you know, six, and he looks like he's—he looks like he's in really good shape, but his gut is a little—you know—is a little massive, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder how tight he keeps his gut, you know. Yeah, that his could core be strength. something like a strength. Yeah, his core strength might not be what it needs to be. Then don't get me wrong. He's a big-ass guy, though. There's no question about <laughs> well, it. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I was at that game on Wednesday, and I watched him fire that pitch, and then I saw him wince in pain and walk off the mound. And then yep. he was standing out there with the, amongst the trainers and Brandon Hyde and Chris Holt, and I see him bend at the waist, and he was very clear, and he's grabbing his lower back, and he's very clearly in pain. And everybody, myself included, starts speculating that this is an oblique injury. Um, the, the, mm-hmm. And they came out and they said he left the game with lower back soreness. But then after the game, Brandon Hyde said it's a lower back side issue. Uh, when they say side, you immediately right. think oblique. So we may not see him the rest of this year. These things tend to linger. I'm not going to speculate on that. Hopefully it's just a, a lower back tightness and he gets back when he's supposed to. But Kyle Bradish, a really nice start for the Orioles last night. Maybe if he can do that going forward, they won't miss too much by missing Tyler Wells. Now, Stan, last night you know, the- they were they were they were kind of close on Wells. You know, I mean, they could have noodled it for another four or five starts and gotten him through the month of August. They mm-hmm. really didn't want him to throw more than about a hundred innings. Right. So I don't anticipate that they'll bring him back this year. Yeah. I, I just don't see an upside to it. You know? and, and you want, and if you want to slow play things with him because you want to have him healthy with no restrictions next year. I totally understand that. Yep. And if you can have somebody else that comes yep. up, maybe D.L. Hall, if, although he's on a on a pitch count too, maybe Matt Harvey, if Kyle Brash fills in that role nicely, you'll be okay. Now, offensively, Stan, Anthony Santander, three hits last night, including the two-run homer. He extends his hitting streak to nine games. He has hits in 13 of his last 14 games. Since the All-Star break, 11 for 28, three home runs, and eight RBIs. Is there something different about Santander? Is he just a player that's getting hot at the right time? And is he upping his trade value, or do you think he sticks around? I, I'm still not 
not entirely sure what happens here with mm-hmm. that. You know, there's such a clamor w- within the fan base of keeping Trey Mancini. And I don't think you can keep both of them. And I'd say that, that Santander being a switch hitter might, might right now have a little more value than, than Trey does. Right. You know? Yeah, no, I, um, I agree with you, and, I, and I'm inclined at this point, with the with the makeup of this team, the chemistry that you have, the way that Santander is playing, you don't have to trade him, and it's not like if you bring Kyle Stowers up, he's going to fit right, he's, he's going to slide right in and give you the production, he, he's going to have his growing pains in the lineup, that's not to say that I don't want to see Kyle Stowers, but I, I just don't know that you want to break up the team chemistry by trading Anthony Santander. That doesn't mean I don't think the Orioles should make trades, but maybe he's a guy that they should keep. I, I'm, I'm telling you, the, the the play of the team, it's not like one individual is like going, boy, I, you can't trade this guy. Right. There's just an esprit de corps amongst this team right now. And I guess for fans, and I, I, I really still call myself a fan, right. um, it's tough to, to, you know, we, we know that this is a team that easily this season could have gone the other way right. and it could be 20 games under 500. But now we see this and we're sort of falling in love with this team. You sort of don't want to break it up, but how do you get better? You know, and obviously there are better players than, than roof net outdoor, you know, mm-hmm. there's better players than Tyler Nevin, uh, so there's tweaks to the roster that you have that you'd like to make. But I'm not exactly sure how you get there. And I guess a dispassionate eye from somebody like Michael Elias and Sig Madoff, um is what's needed at this time to really decipher what what you really have here and what you, what you can afford to uh, let get away. You know, in other words... To trade Trey Mancini because we all say, well, they're going to trade Trey Mancini, you've got to get some type of return for him that makes it worthwhile. Otherwise, you may as well just, you know, you'll let him go if he goes on free agency and you get a draft pick. And, and, and it's not like this is Manny Machado entering his his free agent entering free agency. Like, Trey Mancini is a good player, and we love him here in Baltimore, but it's not like you're letting the cornerstone of your franchise walk away in free agency. It's a 30-year-old DH first base first baseman who yeah. is probably on the downward slope of his career at this point. So if you don't yeah. get anything back uh, for him, that's not necessarily awful. I don't think that it's so awful that yeah. you don't want to hang on to him for the rest of the year and see what he can and let him be part of this for the rest of the year. I'll tell you the the the, the most intriguing idea was what I've read that Ken Rosenthal wrote the other day was a, a Mullins trade to um, Houston mm-hmm. for this pitcher, this pitcher, Jose or Kitty. Yeah. You know, or, or Kitty. Um, that's an interesting deal to me. And as we get closer to the deadline and we cliche, we were saying that like cliche as we get closer to the deadline. It's two days away. Right. Um, the, the guy that seems most expendable and valuable to me as a trade chip now is Jorge Lopez. Okay. You know, I, I watch Bautista and he's practically, you know, right now he's like, looks unhittable, mm-hmm. you know, 
He looks mm-hmm. like a combination of Lee Smith and Kenley Jansen all rolled into one. Right. Uh, and I don't know that Jorge Lopez will ever have this kind of uh, value that he might have right now to the, to the teams that really think that they can win the whole thing. So, and, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was watching Jorge Lopez on Wednesday at the ballpark, and mm-hmm. you could tell that he was uncomfortable pitching in that situation with a guy on second base in a tie ball game where Mateo hits this miraculous opposite field home run um, in the ninth inning to tie the ball game. You can tell that he was pitching with nerves. Like, I can't blow this. I can't blow this. And he didn't attack. Last night with a four-run lead, Jorge Lopez attacked. But that wasn't his mentality yeah. on Wednesday. And I've noticed with him, a, a, a month ago, I'm sitting here and I'm saying, he's too good, you can't trade him. And now, But I've watched him in these situations, in these one-run ball games where he gives up the, the home runs uh, and the walk-offs. I'm not, his I'm mental not makeup. Entirely, I'm not entirely sure that it's a mental makeup. Uh, I've talked to Luke about this, Luke Jackson, our managing editor, who I really have grown to trust mm-hmm. some things he says and observes. His observation is Bautista is much more durable where you can use him on back-to-back yeah. days. He says that he says what he sees with Lopez is his stuff is not as good when he's used back-to-back. And that's and that's tough to have a closer, tough to have a closer that you can't can't you can't have the same stuff two days in a row. It's one thing when you start going to Liam Hendricks and you're using them three and almost four days in a row. But it's another thing where you can't use a guy and get the same stuff this day. So I, I'm not quite that observant, but I'm I'm paying attention to it now. No, yeah. and that and that's a fair point. Not to mention the fact that Jose Bautista comes at you. Uh, did I say Jose Bautista? Felix. Uh, you did say uh, Jose Bautista. That's okay. Felix Bautista. All good. He, he he comes in there and he throws a hundred and two mile an hour fastball uh, at the top of the strike zone and then hits you with an eighty eight mile an hour splitter at the bottom of the zone. How do you hit that? How do you prepare for that? Right. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just. Yeah. It, and it, he has great. Uh, he has a great ability. His motion. It hides the ball very well. Mm-hmm. I don't think people pick him up at all. No, That's he, not a guy I'd want to face. And he, and he comes straight over the top. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's yeah. so at six foot eight, throwing that hard, coming straight over the top. It's got to be the most intimidating thing ever. Standing in the, in, in the box, yeah. watching this come at you because he's not throwing from sixty feet six inches with that with that wingspan and that no. stride. He's throwing from about fifty right. feet. He's fifty feet. Yeah. You know, it, it, it it's yeah. got to be terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah. now let's get back to the, um, to the offense here and what's going on with this team right now. Adley Rutschman, five games batting second now for this team. He reached base two more times last night out of the two hole. He's five for 16 with five walks and five games batting second in the second half of the year. Have the Orioles found his sweet spot in the order stand? And he looks like a seasoned vet when he's in the box. How impressive has he been? Well, he's been extremely impressive in in all aspects of his game, right. and it's clear that he really takes the leadership role. And I know you've probably heard me say this a half dozen times. Again, I tend to think of the relationship between pitchers and catchers as the catcher is kind of like the jockey 
who's got to ride that horse and get and get what he can out of him. And I think he communicates fantastically with his pitchers. Um, that thing never gets old to me. Doubt that it gets old to, to the pitchers when he runs up after the inning's over and gives you a quick, you know, pat on the back, telling you you're doing something good or telling you conversely that you got to pick it up a little bit or something like that. So his catching has been remarkable. I'm so worried about the sweet spot. Um, I, I do tend to think that the two hole is probably the best place for him when he's batting left-handed, but late in the game, I'm not so sure I still wouldn't rather have him come up even batting right-handed than some of the other people in that position because yeah. he's going to give you he's going to give you a tough at bat uh, from either side of the plate. He really is a patient hitter, and uh, a lot of good things come to those who who are patient. And, and, and Stan, it was a really it's been a really small sample size from the right side of the, of the plate, but he's three yeah. for his last six batting right-handed, and one of those yeah. outs ha- was yeah. that deep fly ball that would have been a home run in any ballpark but Camden Yards the other day. So the bat's coming around from the from the right-hand yeah. side of the plate. Uh, I think Adley Rutschman is, he, like you said, he's taken on a, a leadership role on this team, and I really thought that him running out to the pitcher after every inning wasn't going to play in right. the major leagues. I thought that right. that was going to get old right. quick, but it does. The, the pitchers, I think they love him, and he's clearly a team leader this early yeah. in his career. And I, I've said it a couple of times, you're just scratching the surface with him. Yeah. Think- if, if folks haven't read the cover story that Luke did back in June on Adley Rushman, and it was entitled, It Takes a Leader, um, it talked about what impact, forget his offense. That's going to that's gonna play. He's going to mm-hmm. be a really solid offensive player. He's going to be a better, a better, much better version of Matt Wieters. You know, maybe not quite the power, but um, but he'll be more consistent and be more of a contributor than Weeders because he, frankly, he runs much better than yeah. Weeders. You know, um, but but I urge people to go on our website, pressboxonline.com, and look up the cover stories and and look up that story. It's uh, it's a, a really terrific job yeah, I, that I, Luke I, did on that. I just wanted to add, too, that you see the leadership even taking over in veterans because Chirinos is now um, coming out to a lot of the pitchers and meeting them halfway on the way back to the dugout in, in many situations. Yeah. I'm not sure he's doing it every time, but he's yeah. done it in a lot. And right. um, that right. you know clearly Rutschman is rubbing off because that experience, that leadership that he has for only being 24 years old is clearly out of this world compared to most guys' age. So it's... It's great yeah. to see, and it's it's rubbing off on everyone on the team. And I think that you know the, the yeah, Orioles have been good frankly, observation. Yeah, yeah, and the Orioles have been winning so much since Rutschman came up, and I, I think it all kind of boils down to what Rutschman can do as a leader. So it's 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 really nice to see. Yep. Now, Stan, I put in the notes, so I'm sure you saw Hayes and Mountcastle combined to go one for nine last night. Two Ks, eleven men left on they base. Both, they've both been they've both been all for the last month. It, it, uh, uh, I mean, a they, month they, straight of, be- yeah. of them both being ice cold. Hayes has one home run and two RBIs in a month. Mountcastle's hitting yeah. 190 with a two, with a 231 on base percentage and a 298 slugging percentage. He hasn't homered in four weeks. At what point do you become concerned? And uh, I was surprised. I, I thought for sure, especially after Hayes got hit on the wrist on Wednesday, I thought for sure he'd get the day off. I thought on, that was a broken. I thought that was going to be a broken wrist. Right. I'll be yeah. honest with you. And I thought for sure he has taken. He has taken about three or four hits to his hands and mm-hmm. wrists 
So I'm not so sure that that's not part of his struggles. Right. But he's a player that I just, I don't know quite how to say this. I, I think he's going to always have these these periods where he loses it and then he's, he's got to battle back and, and, and get it again. And, you know, look, the game of baseball is a game of, you know, making adjustments. And clearly, somehow on the grapevine, the word gets out how you, how you attack certain hitters. Mm-hmm. And they're attacking him more effectively than they were, and he's going to have to make some adjustments in his game. Well, and, yeah. and I think that that he stands so close to the plate, stand, And if, if you look at he's swinging at high fastballs and he's swinging at breaking balls at break on the inner third and further in. And, and that's where they're getting him out. And I think that's also why he's getting hit so much is because they're trying to bust him inside. I think the book is out that you bust this guy inside and you're going to limit his damage. Uh, as far as far, But then you move to Ryan Mountcastle and all you got to do is throw this guy a ball and he's going to chase it. At, at this point, and it feels like he's taking a step back where he's chasing everything under the sun stand. I, I made a point to Zach on Thursday. He watched, he in one of his at-bats, he watched strike one on a pitch right down the middle. He took it. And then the next pitch is high and tight, nowhere near the strike zone, and he's swinging at it. And he misses it, and, and, yep. now, and now it's 0-2. He has no clue I, at the plate right now. I get the... I get the impression I always have with him that at least one swing in each at bat, he's determined to swing before the ball's even thrown. Yep. Yeah. He just somehow says, I'm going to swing at this because his bat speed is so remarkable, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that you're, you're waiting for the, the glory days again to, to happen for a week or two where he hits, eight home runs in 14 games or something like that. Right. And you go, all is is right with the world. Always had, based on the numbers, and that's because I'd never seen him play, really, um, three years ago, I was concerned about him with the strikeouts to walks Mm -hmm. and the on-base percentage. It's it's a very Mark Trumbo-esque, you know, kind of uh, package that he presents to you. I thought he was going to be, then when I started seeing him, I said, this bat speed is just remarkable, and he's so confident. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, I'm seeing some of the fears I had about him, you know, are are resurfacing about whether he's really going to be, touch the surface of the player he could be, Uh, because, uh you know. I've seen it's an awful lot of swing and miss in his game. There really is. And the thing about him, it's it's so frustrating because I've seen numerous at-bats where he has this uncanny ability to stay inside the ball. And no matter where the pitch is, he has, especially on inside pitches, he has an ability to find the barrel more often than not. So when you see him struggling mm-hmm. like this because he's swinging, he swung himself into a slump. When you're watching him do this, it's frustrating because it's like, dude, you were capable of so much. Yeah. Get out of your head. Yeah. You know, and it's a matter of, and and I know for me, and I'm not a professional baseball player, but I I do play. And when I go into these long slumps. Yeah, but you did sleep sleep at a Holiday Inn last night. That is is correct. That is correct. When when I go into these offensive slumps, it's because I stop trusting my hands. And I feel like Ryan Mountcastle Mm -hmm. is is in a spot where he doesn't trust that his hands are quick enough to get to, to have pitch recognition first and then get to these pitches. And, and 
it's just one that's of those things. A, that's an interesting point because it's definitely, you know, he, he, you and I are saying it, saying different things, but it gets back to the fact that he gets himself out. Mm-hmm. He makes it too easy on the pitcher, and that's a that's a bad thing for somebody who's got that much talent to get himself out. Right, he you, doesn't. You don't need force, to throw him a strike. Adley Rutschman. Adley Rutschman forces the uh, the pitcher to get him out, and sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. It feels like two at bats a night. Ryan Mountcastle gives up the at bat by just acquiescing to swinging at whatever the guy throws. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and and the thing is, Dan, I feel like he's always been that way. Where two at bats a night, he's going to get himself out. Um, but yep. the other two at bats, he's going to barrel it up. Right now, he's not barreling yep. it up, and he's not getting on base. Mm-hmm. You don't have to throw him a strike to get him out, and that's that's the frustrating thing about Ryan Mountcastle mm-hmm. yep. right now. Now, you yep. mentioned a little bit yep. earlier about the team chemistry with Anthony Santander and Ruth Neto Dorr getting playing time. Uh, Taron Vavra was called up on Tuesday. It's now been four games that he's been with the, with the team, and all he has to show for it is a ninth-inning pitch running appearance last night. Now, look, I, I get that they, that they face three left-handers in that time span, and I, I get that Odor is a part of this team chemistry. But if you were going to call a guy up to rest him, to keep him on the bench, why not make it a guy like Richie Martin so that Taron Vavra, who was hot as anybody, in AAA can get can get regular at bats. I don't see the I don't see the point in calling him up to put him on the bench. Well, I I think it's clear right now that um, you know, Brandon Hyde is playing the, the the hand that he's got. You know, mm-hmm. and it's a pretty hot hand right now. So I don't think whether Martin or Vavra came up, they were going to play that much. But I think they finally wanted to reward him. Uh, by by bringing him up, and uh, I think he'll get a little bit of playing time. It won't be a lot, but uh, he'll be up here. I would expect that he would probably start on Sunday. You know, uh, just that's my gut feeling tells me he'll get his first major league start on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Stan, do you think it's indicative of all at all about how the Orioles feel about Terran Vavra as a whole, and that you know what he might be in the future? Maybe a utility guy, maybe a, a starting second baseman if he gets that far. Do you think you know this this four game stretch is at all indicative of that? I, I think realistically, Vavra right now with with what's going on with Henderson and you know the drafting of. Jackson Holiday and Westberg and Connor Norby. I don't. I don't think he has blown their socks off to where they think he's an everyday player in the major leagues. Right, I agree. And uh, that, that's that's just what I think. Nevin's Nevin's sort of a real tweener to me. I can't figure out. He has some at bats where I really like him, and he's got some at bats where I, I just sort of go, ah, he's just never going to. But then he surprises me. He 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 works the count. He's exactly what Mountcastle isn't, but he doesn't have Mountcastle's natural ability. Right. You know, he works the exactly. pitcher a lot harder than Mountcastle does. You know, and I got to be honest. Point. I expected a real stiff at third base. He does a he does a decent job there yeah, over right. there. He's you know, right. I would still think that his larger thing would be. If he can put up some numbers next year, that he might become a nice chip in a trade sometime. You know, a throw-in 
uh, you know, I don't think Vavra or him, I, I haven't seen enough of Vavra to, to really comment, to be honest. I'm anxious to see the package because I know when they acquired him, he looked like the star of that trade to me. Yeah. You know. Yeah, he's a guy who's, um, who's always hit at the minor league level. He's just waiting on his opportunity yeah. at this point. Yeah. Now, yeah. Yeah. Stan, Orioles 16-5 and five in their last 21 games. They entered that tough 10-game stretch with Tampa Bay and New York and went 5-5. Five and five. I believe that this team is good enough to contend, but I do think that they need some help. You look back at the 2012 team, and they were a surprise team. They didn't make a huge splash at the trade deadline. They, they traded for Randy Wolf. They traded for, they traded for Jim Tomey late in August. And they called up a young Manny right. Machado from Double A to play third base for them and shore up that defense. Can you see them doing something similar this year? Maybe it's you call up Matt Harvey and Gunnar Henderson and try and see if those guys can uh, can lead you to the promised land this year. I don't know that they're going to make a huge splash. I don't think that Pablo Lopez is realistic for them. What do yeah. you what do you see them doing as the Tuesday deadline approaches? I mean, to, to me, I, I think Lopez has a real solid chance of being dealt. You know, I really yeah. do. And I'm not sure exactly what I would expect it to be, sort of a major league-ready type of arm, um, you know, a starting pitcher with maybe some, some other type of younger, you know, uh, arm coming back in the deal, you know. Yeah. Um, this trade that this trade yesterday is kind of a very interesting deal. The uh, yeah. Mariners acquiring Luis Castillo, getting yeah. up three um, top five prospects. They got they got they got three really good players in that deal, mm -hmm. uh, Cincinnati. And uh, the interesting guy, first of all, the stud in the deal may be the the kid Edwin Arroyo. Mm -hmm. He's 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 nineteen years old. He's an A ball. And in 87 games, he's um, hitting 316. He scored 76 runs, has 13 homers, 67 RBIs, and 21 stolen bases. And he's not the supposed star of the deal. The star of the deal is supposed to be Noel V. Marte. And I studied yeah. it. I can't find any relationship between him and Cattell or Starlin Marte. Mm -hmm. And then I saw that I saw one thing wrote up that Starlin Marte and Cattell Marte are brothers, but then I saw something that specifically said they're not related. So uh, I know that it doesn't appear Noelvi Marte, who's going to the Cincinnati Reds, is any relationship to either of those Martes. He's a he's a real legitimate prospect, though. Yeah, you they, know, they got Dominican kid. They got three of the Mariners' top five prospects yeah. in that deal. Luis Castillo yeah. going to the Mariners. And the Mariners, look, they won 14 games in a row, and they're 3-5 and five in the second half, all five losses to the Astros. And I think that this is a yeah. – they lost that game yesterday 11-1 to one as they're making that deal. Um, and you're looking at it, and you're saying, is this the move that they felt like they needed to do, A, to get into the playoffs, but also, B – to contend with the Astros because you can feel as good as you want, but if you're still the younger brother to the Astros in your division and you're, he's continuously beaten up on you, it's going to make you feel yeah, some kind of way the, about you're the team. Essentially, you're essentially the Astros' pitch. There's, there's yeah. no question about it right now. They really did not measure up well to the Astros. You know, and it's unfortunate Robbie Ray 
who's the reigning Cy Young Award winner, has had two just awful starts against the uh, Astros. Yeah. So you wonder if they they're they're the Astros are an incredibly tough team to pitch to. You know, I mean, it's, there's just no end to uh, it's seemingly no end, but they'll they'll make a deal and get even better. The Astros, you know, um, they're not sitting by. Yeah, they're not. I am surprised. Power. Yeah, I am surprised. I guess uh, Brian Cashman wasn't willing to go to that extreme for Luis Castillo. But uh, the Yankees, if they're serious about winning the World Series, they have got to upgrade from Jordan Montgomery. They, they, you know, they they've got Severino. They're not sure what they're they'll be able to get out of him. Mm-hmm. Cortez, Cortez, Teon, and Garrett Cole are are pitching very well. Cole, as a matter of fact, is a little bit the suspect of those three. Right. The other night when he had that lead, was it against Kansas City? It was last night against Kansas City, yeah. Yeah, um, and then he just all of a sudden you turn around. Maybe it was a start even before that. Um, He just hasn't been real real strong. Well, his, they his have start to before, get another starting pitcher. His start yeah. before that was against the Orioles, and they, they had a three-run sixth inning off of him, or a three-run fifth that's inning right. off yeah, of him. That's right, yeah, that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Stan, what do you got? He just they've got, they've they've got to make a trade for a, a top notch pitcher, and I just don't think Frankie Montas right now is that guy. So I don't know where they go, uh, who they're going to end up with, but they'll they'll Brian Cashman will not go to sleep on it. But they're he's not going to be happy picking up somebody like Jordan Lyles. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean Cashman's got to have loftier a loftier game in mind, so he'll. You know his favorite trading partner is usually the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates, and they've got Jose Quintana, who's pitched well. Yeah, that might be an interesting pickup for the Yankees. It it, it could be. Stan, we got to run. What do you got coming up this week? Um, two o'clock or three o'clock on Monday afternoon. I apologize. I think it's three o'clock. We've got uh, Ross Grimsley and I have uh, none other than. Um, Tim Kirchin, who just went into the Hall of Fame. That's a great get. Love, love Tim Kirchin. One, yeah, of, the, one then, of the truly then, nice guys in baseball. Yeah, Wednesday at 7 o'clock, Gary Stein and I will have Steve Brunner from KMO Sports. They're the folks putting on the Maryland Cycling Classic. And then Thursday by myself at 7 o'clock, I'll have the two smartest guys in the room talking sports business. Uh, Marty Conway, who teaches at Georgetown veteran of working with uh, major league clubs and Andy Dolich who's worked in all four of the major sports and we periodically get together and talk sports business. Sounds like a busy week for you there Stan. Yep. All right. Will be. All right. Well you have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. You too. See you. And that was Stan the Fan Charles, who has great shows, two great shows for you every week. This week he has like seven great shows for you. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross reunited to discuss the Orioles' incredible start to the season. And Stan and Gary welcome Mike Libber, the promoter of the big Arsenal-Everton match. Find those shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash video. As Stan just said, he and Ross are back for another great show on Monday as they'll welcome new Hall of Famer Tim Kirkchin to the show. We're going to push sounding off with Zach Goodman to after our segment with Jeff Arnold. we got to catch our first break when we come back from the Orioles Radio Network and from Orioles Television Network. 
Uh, Jeff Arnold joins the program. That and more next on the Battle Round. Get your tickets now for the premier high school lacrosse games of the year. The 17th annual All-America Lacrosse Boys and Girls Senior All-Star Games will be on Saturday, July 30th at Johns Hopkins Historic Homewood Field. This is your chance to see the future lacrosse stars up close and in person as they showcase why they are the best in the country. Go to allamericalacrosse.com and get your tickets now. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going, gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second, Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. All 
All right, welcome back to the batter round into our number two of the program, which is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, which is the best place to be for all the big upcoming events. You can bet on every sport with 61 self-service kiosks open 24-7 and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. UFC 277 is tonight. You can watch Juliana Pena, Amanda Nunez rematch for free and walk out a big winner by betting all the fights on the card to go to uh, go and email events at sportssocialmd.com to reserve your spot right now. That's events at sportssocialmd.com. Joining us on the show today from the Orioles Radio Network, and he does some television broadcasting too. He is the one and only Jeff Arnold. Jeff, it's Paul. It's Zach. Good morning. Thanks for taking some time for us today. Good to be with you guys. Um, you were on the call for Trey Mancini's inside the park home run, and possibly his final at home at bat of his Orioles career. First and foremost, what was the emotion of the moment like for you, Jeff? Well, I mean, you think about the day. I mean, it was Mo Gabba day, so that obviously comes into play. And then, and then it's you know we all know kind of what that was, and and you're just looking around at Camden Yards, and everybody else does too, and. And then he hits a, a lazy fly ball in a right field, and you're just like, oh, man. And and then <laughs> you're, you're looking at Lowe's reaction because he can't find it and hits him in the face, and then it caroms away, and you're just like, this is ridiculous. I mean, based on where he was, Roman Quinn is trying to come over and get the ball, mm-hmm. and Hayes scored. And, you know, what was really funny about that play, too, was the guy who was on base was the last one who hit it inside the park home run. And the guy that was fetching the ball – was the guy that dove and it got past him and that and that was Roman Quinn in That's Philly insane. and that allowed for Hayes to go all the way around. I know it's it's insane on many levels. And then Trey has talked about he's like when I was growing up I was kind of a pudgy kid and speed's never been a part of my game. And then he comes all the way around and then on the throw home, you know, Renee Pinto is there and it's like the throw beat him by quite a bit, mm-hmm. but like Renee Pinto couldn't tag him for whatever reason. Like and I was saying this to Kevin Reed, our, our producer engineer, like, and on a play like that, you know, you expect the home plate umpire to give like some emphatic, like safe sign or whatever that he got in there. And it was kind of a regular safe sign. And I'm like, that's really bizarre. Mm-hmm. And when I watched the replay, I'm like, it's almost like Pinto forgot, like his feet got tangled up as he's trying to tag the guy. So it was a weird and bizarre and incredible play on so many levels. Um, I was just shocked. And I was just like, you know, could broadcast baseball for the next 30 years. I will never see something like that again. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I certainly believe that, that Mo Gabba was, was a part of that. I mean, the, Mo was, Mo, you could hear, and I, and I said it after I, I finished the call, it's like, and somewhere above, Mo is laughing and smiling because, you know, that that is, that is a play, and that is something that, in that final, maybe final, final at bat, if if it is, um, you know, there's no doubt that Mo was a part of that. Did we ever find out if Josh Lowe was okay after that play? I mean, that ball bounced. You saw how far it bounced, and it hit him in the face. Like, like I, I know. <laughs> it's just one of those things where everybody's excited about the home, inside the park home run, and rightfully so, but a man just took a fly ball off his face that was hit at 93 miles an hour off the bat. I hope he's okay, but uh, glad, glad with the results from that play. Now, Jeff, in your heart of hearts, do you believe this was Trey's last home at bat as an Oriole? It's hard to say. I mean, 
it's just going to, I think that, you know, you're past the rebuilding mode at this point. Right. And you, you know, you, Trey Mancini means so much to this team, to this city, to this community, like to everybody. And the value that he's going to get from some place else probably isn't going to match what the way that everyone values him here. And it's hard to value what he brings to the, the clubhouse too, because like that's a, that's a big part of it. So mm-hmm. if you're going to make a deal for Trey and you know, he has a mutual option, but let's face it, it's, we, we he's said it. Um, we have seen it across baseball more often than not. Mutual options do not get picked up. Right. Um, you know, one side makes the option to, to do something else. But if, if it was his last at bat, um, then what a run it's been. Yeah. Um, you know, a guy that came up through the minors and, you know, he was talking about how back in Aberdeen, he just was like, man, these people really support us. And then he comes up to the Orioles minor league system and kind of going level by level and getting a glimpse of what it's like in each spot. And then getting up here and having a taste of what winning is like. And then, you know, going through the, the dark days and then having you know the, the cancer diagnosis and then all the different things that he's done, you know, to support people and lower the screening age and, come back and you know you're comeback player of the year and you play uh, a ton of games second most number of games on the team and then you go into this year and you know the, the numbers are much better if you i mean imagine if you played a great american ballpark which is where the orioles are right now i think right. you'd have 24 home runs <laughs> so uh, i just i think he means so much here i don't know if uh, i think he is his his legacy is intact here forever. And uh, I, I would hope that, you know, that whatever Trey wants to do and whatever is in the, his best interest, he's going to have an opportunity to do uh, because he could certainly help another team. And there are teams that are looking for some help. The Mets are one, for instance. Um, but, but at the same time, you kind of are like, he's such a big part of that clubhouse and he's such a part of everybody being able to gel and, you know, you kind of wonder how much different it would be if he wasn't there. Yeah, and not to mention the fact that what are you really going to get in return for him? You saw what uh, the Royals right. got for Andrew Benintendi. They got the two Yankees prospects who were ranked in their tw- in the twenties in their top thirty, and he at this point in his career is a, a more valuable player you'd imagine than Trey Mancini. What is Mancini really going to going to get that's going to be worth you giving up somebody who's been the heart and soul of your of your team for so long? And that's the question that you have to ask is, is it worth giving him up for something that isn't, you know, necessarily going to help you out long term? Like, uh, if you, is it going to like net you the return, for instance, like John, like what you got for Jonathan VR, if it's something like that, that's, that's probably not going to go over very well. It's not right. going to go over well if he leaves, I think with the fan base and, right. and I totally understand. And it's going to be tough on the clubhouse and it's, it's going to be tough for everybody. Um, but you know, and I will say this, like, you're going to have to get at least something. And, and I think the the way he's valued here is going to be different than he's valued someplace else. Right. And that's the, that's the reality of it. So do you really want to mess with the clubhouse dynamic? And do you really want to mess with the intangibles that he brings um, in, if, if you're going to let him go? Um, and plus we're, we're kind of past, as I said, the rebuild phase, and you're not in talent acquisition mode anymore. Um, we're we're past we're past that point. Um, it's now about trying to figure out how to how to make your team better. And and I and you can understand like there's a mutual option on the table. They're rarely picked up. 
but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think if you just traded him for some guy who's a who's in the bottom of a prospect ranking list or or someplace else, it, it likely wouldn't go over very well. But but you know, there there, Michael Elias has his plan and and he kind of knows I think what he wants to do and and it's going to be about can you find a trade partner if there is one out there that is going to make the most sense where you're going to get something back that you want in return. And, you know, here, here's the other part of it. You know, you remember last year with Paul Fry and, and Tanner Scott, and I've talked mm-hmm. about this before where you wanted certain things and you didn't get them. And so you didn't move them. Um, and, you know, I, I, I do think that you just, because of what his impact is, you know, both on the field and off the field, um, you're going to have to get something, something decent. I just, the market for somebody who kind of does what Trey does, and you mentioned the Benintendi trade, it's not probably as as glamorous of a pickup if you're trading for prospects or whatever um, as as you would probably want for somebody that just means what he means for the city. Right. No, and I couldn't have said it better. It's he ultimately he's probably more valuable to your team and your fan base than anything you're gonna get back and any kind of value he's gonna have for the team that acquires him. Now you've you've said it a couple of times you're past the rebuild point. Uh, of of the passive rebuild part of this whole thing, and now you're becoming competitive, and you're in a position where you're looking to improve. You're looking to continue to get better and maybe ride this wave. the The trade deadline, Jeff, is on Tuesday, and the Orioles. There's Trey Mancini. There's Anthony Santander, there, Jorge Lopez. Maybe another bullpen piece. Maybe Roof Neto Door, Jordan Lyles. What do you do at this deadline? Look, you start a nine game stretch. Uh, last night with a win over Cincinnati, where you have an opportunity to really pick up some ground here and really get several games above 500 and put yourself right in the thick of this race, which they already are. What do you do at the deadline to make sure that you're in this the rest of the way? You know, it's really interesting, Paul, because we were thinking that the the 10-game stretch against the Rays and then you had the all-star break and then the Yankees and the Rays mm-hmm. was going to provide some clarity on what you were going to do. And, and to be honest, it didn't. <laughs> I mean, you finished it, you finished it about 500. I mean, you know, you finished at 500, five and five, and right. then you went um, four and three over the homestand. So I, I think that you ultimately have to figure how is we going to, I think what Michael Elias is considering is how is this team going to be put in a spot where we're going to be competitive next year and where we're going to be competitive for the years to come. You have another really good draft. You had the number one overall pick. Um, you have some exciting pieces that are getting added to your system. You're starting to see players from the international pipeline begin to trickle in and come stateside. Um, and, you know, you have a lot of talent in the upper minors. And remember, we haven't heard from D.L. Hall yet. Kyle Stowers got a little taste of the major leagues in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of guys who are knocking on the door and Gunnar Henderson's having a a minor league player of the year type season, um, now a triple A. So you have guys that are right on the cusp and you're starting to play good baseball. So I think what he's probably going to do is, is probably stick to the plan that he's had. Um, if you're going to give up somebody, for instance, say like Jorge Lopez, you're going to have to get something, I think pretty sizable back in return. If that right. would be a plan because Jorge Lopez is not your average closer. He's a guy that can get you five or six outs when a lot of bullpens can't you do realize what he means to your bullpen here. Um, but you know, it, you, you're probably going to ask for a, for a ton. 
Um, so to be honest, if I had to take a guess and I don't have a crystal ball or anything like that, my gut tells me that this team is probably going to look fairly similar now. Um, then I, I think the team right now is going to look pretty similar to the team that, uh, that's going to be, that's going to be there when the deadline passes. Um, you know, maybe there's a move of Mancini, maybe Lopez comes in and somebody wows you and gives you a bunch of stuff that you want. Mm-hmm. I tend to think that probably Felix Bautista is not going anywhere just because Agreed. of what he can do and just has how controllable he is. Um, you know, you would really have to be wowed and, um, but I, I don't know. I mean, in, in terms of like, you know, adding a piece, it's it's going to be interesting to see if if maybe they approach um, somebody like a, a Tarek Skubal, who's a controllable guy. But are you willing to give up pieces in your farm system? Um, what's so it going to cost to get them? Th- correct. And so far, it's it's been you know you've protected the guys that you have in your system, and you really haven't wanted to deal any of them away. So so I don't know. I, I think Mike is kind of has his plan, and and it's and this is a tough spot for him because because of just sort of where, where the team is right now, you know, you're a little bit ahead of schedule. The club has played great baseball. Um, and so we'll, we'll, we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if this team right now looks pretty similar at the end of the deadline. You know, and, and Jeff, I look at this team and I go back to 2012 uh, and it's the same feelings, the same vibes that you have with that team where they're playing out of their minds. They're playing really good baseball. You didn't see it coming. You're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, but it, 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 with that team, it never did. And what they did at the deadline and after the deadline is they acquired a veteran starter like Randy Wolf, who didn't cost you a ton. They go out and they get a veteran player who has that playoff experience in Jim Tomey in, at, at the end of August. But they call up a, a young 20-year-old Manny Machado from AA, and he shores up their defense, takes him from one of the worst defensive teams to one of the best defensive teams in baseball. And I'm looking at this, and I'm seeing similarities with a Gunnar Henderson, and maybe Matt Harvey fills that Randy Wolf role. Do you see them maybe calling up Gunnar Henderson and Matt Harvey to kind of supplement this team to maybe continue this wave of good baseball? Or is Gunnar Henderson more of a guy who spends the entirety of the year at the minor leagues because you don't want to rush him? It's two different regimes. I totally get that. Yeah, it's a it's another good question. It, to be honest, I would imagine that Matt Harvey is up here at some point. You're mm-hmm. going to need starting rotation help and depth and you know, you're in that spot right now where you were shuffling things around. Um, you, you certainly hope that Tyler Wells is okay um, and that uh, that he, him exiting the game is is nothing serious because uh, he's had such a great year. Right. But you also are going to run into some inning limits with pitchers, right. and you're going to have to get some more out of your starting rotation. And Jordan Lyles has, has been great, um, but Dean Kramer spent you know limited time in the major leagues last year. Um, Austin both has started and has done a, done a nice job starting so far. Um, but you know, you kind of have to factor in, you know, him and the fact that he's just getting back into it and, and things like that. Kyle Bradish missed, uh, missed some time with the, the right shoulder inflammation. I thought he pitched great on Friday. Yeah. Um, and, and he's, but you're going to have to, you know, just be careful with him. And so you're expecting him, I think, to step up in a time where you need him right now. Um, you know, Spencer Watkins, another one. So I would imagine that Harvey will be up at some point as you, you just need help or you need a spot filled and, and, and the Orioles are shuffling their rotation around. It's why you, it's why you had the Bradish starting yesterday and then you moved everybody back a day, but you know, you're going to need some help. So I would imagine that probably Matt Harvey would be up at some point. I tend to think that Gunnar Henderson would maybe be up next year. Um, yeah. that, that's just my, that's just what my gut tells me. 
Um, but he's had a heck of a year and, uh, he's, he's come so far. Um, and just talking to some other people that remember him uh, the other day from when he was playing in Lynchburg and, and he was in, I think, low A ball at the time. And, you know, just how he's improved getting to the inside pitch and the plate discipline. And, you know, he's improved, he's cut, you know, his walks have gone up, his strikeouts have gone down as he's gone up a lot of level. He's played in the futures game. He's an incredibly exciting player. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised, um, you know, if he is up here next year and it's, and it's kind of the next, the next wave of guys coming up. But, um, you know, I, I tend to think that, that they're, that, that he's probably, we're going to hear from him, um, a year from now, but, uh, but Matt Harvey, uh, seems like somebody that, that would probably be needed, especially as you begin running against innings limits and, uh, you just need a veteran who, you know, can can come in and, and can give you five or six innings and picking up another one of those guys to, to help take some stress off the bullpen too. Um, I think is going to, is going to definitely be important. Yeah. I tend to agree with you there. Now, somebody that has been called up, but hasn't played yet, uh, is Taron Vavra. He was called up four games ago. He has one ninth inning, uh, pinch running appearance last night to show for it. Everybody's up in arms. If you, if you are on sh- social media, why isn't Vavra playing? And I get it. He's a left-handed hitter. They faced three lefties in the last mm-hmm. four games. And the one game he came up, he got there late. So he wasn't going to play anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that Ruth Neto Door, you mentioned the team chemistry. You, you, you keep him in the lineup because the Orioles have been winning with him, but he's a 200 hitter. Why have we not seen Taron Vavra yet? Is it really as simple as the things I just laid out? Well, I think that some of it is like his first game would have been against Shane McClanahan. Mm-hmm. You don't want a guy to be facing Shane McClanahan. And plus, like, look at what your record is. You know, you're a couple games out of the final wild card spot, and Vavra just got up here. And, and I think that if you were where the Orioles were a season ago at this point, um, you know, he would have been in the starting lineup probably the next day. Mm-hmm. And he's a very talented player and he's had a great year at AAA. Um, but, you know, he's brand new to the major leagues and Odor is a veteran. And, and I think that, you know, I, I know what the numbers say, um, but at the same time, like, I think that Rugnet Odor gives you intangibles and gives you, something in the clubhouse and something in the dugout that can't be measured in homers, RBIs, batting average OPS. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think with, with Taron, you know, I think Taron Vavra is going to get an opportunity to play. Maybe he's going to be in there today. That was something that got teased yesterday. Right. But, but, you know, it, Brandon Hyde said it, that he's trying to win, win games right now. And he's going to pick the best matchups he can, which he feels like is going to put this team in a, in a spot to, to win. And, if Taron can can contribute to where the team is right now, um, then then he'll get an opportunity to play. But but you know you're still really trying to, to make some hay right now. And um, you know I know what what people are saying. And you know the big leagues is obviously different than AAA. Um, but I think that you know if you're zeroing in on a set of games where you need to do damage, this is it. You know you win last yeah. night in Cincinnati. Two more against the Reds. You know really struggling team. Just, you know, I mean, it's no real surprise. You know, very bad pitching staff. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, you're going there and you're hopefully you can maybe take all three. And then you go to Texas and then you, you face Pittsburgh right after that. So if this is this is your chance to make a move right now. Right. Um, and so he feels like Odor it just gives him a better opportunity to do that. Um, you know, it's a it's a place where it's very easy to hit a home run. You know, that Rudin and Odor can run into one every once in a while. Um, I think Bob is going to get his shot, but you, you just examining where the team is and and the matchups and and the things like that and the you know the really 
kind of nitty gritty and being in and also being in kind of a, a playoff hunt right now. Adore's been there before and, and Bobber hasn't. Um, so he just, I think, feels a little bit more comfortable. And, and Taron Bobber's going to get a shot because he's a great player. Um, it's just, it's just maybe going to be a little different how you handle it this year than you would have handled it a year ago. And those, those are all fair points for sure. Now, uh, before we let you go, I got two more questions for you. One, you've had a couple of iconic calls over the last two years. Um, last year, the final out call of John Means no hitter. Uh, and then the Trey Mancini inside the park home run call. Do you ever take a second to stop and think about how cool this is and the legacy that you're leaving behind in your career? Oh, I really appreciate that. You know, I, I think that it's something that in the off season I go back and I think about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think when you're like caught up in the moment yesterday, and we were talking about this at the start of the interview, but. I don't know uh, when that happened. And I don't know how you felt when you were either watching it or listening to it or how people were, were kind of watching it and, and what they were feeling when, when Trey slid in the home plate. Um, I had chills the rest of the game. Oh, I, got and, uh, I had chills kind of through the, I, I, I got, yeah, I know. I mean, Kevin, Kevin Brown and I were talking about it afterwards and I know he got a little choked up and you know, Mel got choked up and I just had chills. Like I'm, I was just like, I, I can't believe I just saw, I, I, you know, it was the whole, um, I, it was a whole Jack Buck. I don't believe what I just saw. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, it was, yeah, I, I think about it a little bit, but I think I appreciate it more as I go back and look at kind of the year as a whole when it's all said and done. Um, it's it's incredible to be a part of it. Um, it's a it's a franchise that I, I love deeply, that I really care about. It's a lot of guys that I respect. You know, it's a great coaching staff. It's a great city. It's uh, it, it's so cool to kind of watch watch this team do what it's doing right now because the last last couple of years have been have been tough, man. I mean, I think everybody knows that. Um, so to to be able to have some moments like these, you know, the last home stand with all the, you know, the the, the comeback wins and and things like that, and and just the the excitement that this team has generated, and um, and just to be a part of it um, in a in a small way, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty incredible, and that's never lost on me uh, because I'm. I'm very blessed to do what I get to do every day and, and to have a team like this one that's, that's doing what it's doing. is uh, It makes it fun to come to the ballpark every day. Well, And, and that kind of answers my final question. We hear uh, Kevin Brown talk about it all the time, about how much fun he's having this season. You guys have been through hell with this team and you have to you have to go to the ballpark, win or lose, every single day to call these games. It doesn't, it doesn't get any easier how much fun are you having this year watching this team doing what they're doing? I mean, this is a team, they've already got 51 wins this year. They only won 52 all of last year. <laughs> it's, a good, it's, a good, it's a good point. And uh, when you go to the park, I think you expect this team is going to win. I think right. in the past it was like you never knew what you were going to get. But now it's just like you can be down by three or four runs or more, and, and it's like the fifth or sixth inning, and – and I'm always thinking to myself, well, what are they going to do to come back today? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be the hero in this game? Which bullpen guy is going to have a big game and, and hold the line um, as the offense you know, figures out how to do this? And just some of the ways that they have won these games have been nothing short of incredible. Right. It's been, it's been incredible. And, you know, it, it, it brings back, and you know, Dave Johnson and I were talking about this, you know, there's certainly similarities between this team and the Why Not team. And... And you just you, you you're expecting something good to happen. You're expecting something fun to happen. You're expecting something exciting to happen. 
mm-hmm. um, every time that you put on the headset and, and you go out and, and do one of these games. And so um, I'm personally somebody that I have in major leagues, minor leagues, I have not been a part of a whole lot of winning teams. So mm-hmm. to have something like this and to have the, the, the ty- not only the wins, but the type of wins and the level of excitement um, that you've seen. And then also to kind of watch the passion of the fans and the excitement of the fans and, you know, just talking to people around town and how everybody's asking about the Orioles now. And um, it's like, yeah, get used to it. Cause this is, this is what's to come in the next couple of years. And uh, it's so much fun. It's so great to be a part of. And um, it's nice to feel the electricity at Camden Yards again. Yeah. And it's only going to get better from here uh Mm -hmm, exactly jeff always a pleasure to talk with you thanks for uh taking close to a half an hour i swear we didn't mean to go this long but we we got into (laughs) it and we really appreciate you uh taking time for us today have a great weekend and enjoy the rest of this season all right all right thanks paul all right take care that was jeff arnold joining us for the batter round today love talking with jeff man he's just he's just a guy Right, like he's he's a dude. You talk to that guy, and you're you're talking baseball with a guy. Yeah, I mean, you know I mean, it, it, and 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 I and I mean that as endearing as possible. I don't mean, oh, yeah. he's just a guy. I mean, like he's a guy. You know what I mean? And, and it's so cool getting a chance. It's like when I talk to Ben McDonald. You're talking baseball with Ben McDonald. It's yeah. like I'm just I'm talking baseball with a guy, man. This is awesome. Um, so a special thank you to Jeff for taking. An extended uh, uh, segment with us here on the Bat Around today. I want to remind you that the Bat Around is brought to you by Press Box's Glenn Clark Radio, which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. You can watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen to pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Folks, you have no excuse not to catch up with Glenn Clark Radio because you can find it literally every freaking where. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys called up with top Orioles prospect Colton Kowser and former NFL GM Scott Pioli and Randy Mueller. Miller? Mueller? Mueller. Find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature right now at PressBoxOnline.com. It is time for Zach Goodman to sound off today. Zach, what do you have for us? I want to talk about a potential trade candidate come August 2nd, come Tuesday. Not for the um, Orioles, but just in general. Right, right. A, a guy that I think a lot of teams should be paying attention to. Um, because, frankly, he's in a small market, and he doesn't get a lot of recognition, similar to most of the players on the, on that team. And I'm talking about Sean Murphy, the catcher for the, o- the Oakland A's. Um, this is a guy who's largely been, I think, underlooked, but... If you look at the statistics and you look at the batted ball metrics, the framing metrics, this guy is legitimately one of the best catchers in baseball. He's basically been a two-war player already this year. He's a guy that has control. He's not a free agent until 2026. He's incredibly well-rounded. His framing metrics, almost top of uh, baseball. He's in like the 96th percentile of framing. He's an excellent, excellent defender in all categories. And the guy hits the ball hard consistently. His exit velocity is up there with the with the best of catchers in Major League Baseball and up there with the best of players in Major League Baseball. And it's not going to be easy to get him. I mean, this is a guy who, again, has control through 2026. And catchers are almost harder to get because there's so little of them that they're actually good. And, of course, we're looking at, you know, Adley Rutschman is one of the other better catchers in baseball. It, it goes Sean Murphy, Adley Rutschman, and then there are not many others. Of course, Salvador Perez. But it just shows you that it, whatever team goes for him is going to have to pay a lot. And I think Oakland is, is preparing to sell off, and they're going to be preparing to, to deal Sean Murphy. And, man, if a team like the Yankees picks up Sean Murphy or the St. Louis Cardinals or someone like that that could really add a catcher, a really good bat in their lineup, 
it's going to be dangerous. I, I just think he's really one of the most interesting pieces that nobody's talking about. Of Gold, course, we know Juan Soto, but Sean Murphy. Gold Glove Award winner yeah. last year. Yeah. The play, you said the pitch framing metrics are near the top Excellent. of the league. Uh, I remember him being an Oriole killer in that four-game series in Oakland in, back in April. Sean Murphy's a damn good player. He's really he's a good player. He's a damn good player and, and, and a, a, a contender that maybe needs a catcher to get them yeah. over the hump. Yeah. Um. A team like the Yankees, right? Who you don't really have that catcher. No. I mean, I, um, Trevino has played well. And, yeah, and, you know he was an old. I keep forgetting that he's there. He's played well, but who was the other guy? Higashioka. Higashioka, who was strictly a defender, doesn't hit at all. Right. And if you had a guy like that, in, and this would be a classic Yankees move. I keep looking at them. Maybe they get Montas and Murphy. They'd have to pay a lot. You'd probably have to give up Dominguez and, and Peraza and some of their bigger prospects, but. Man, that would be dangerous if the Yankees were able to get those two guys. They already have 68 wins on the year, and that's kind of what I'm well, looking at then, for Sean Murphy. That's, and, and that's my I know expectation. That the Tampa Bay just traded for uh, Betancourt. Betancourt. Yeah, Christian Betancourt. Yeah, he was yeah. from Oakland, wasn't he? He was. Right. Yeah, he, and he's a two way guy. Interestingly enough, he's he's going to be pitching a little bit. And he actually really? start, He's pitched a few games in relief so far, and they're trying to teach him how to pitch. And he's so that's an interesting trade too. A real Tampa Bay guy. Um, but yeah, Oakland, but that, but that, that's a team. Zanino's out for the year. Right. You could benefit from having a guy like Sean sure. Murphy and if he's still under team control yeah. you don't uh, that seems like a race I'm surprised that that he wasn't the guy that they went after to begin with but look it, it's a great point a, a good catcher is hard to come by these days yeah. a guy who look the, he's hitting 241 it's not like he's hitting 320 you right. know what I mean but you're not there there aren't many Adley Rutschman is considered a unicorn because he's a guy right. who, who at one point might be able to hit 320 and he's so as good as he is defensively right. um there aren't. That's why they call him a unicorn. There aren't that many catchers that can right. do both. But this guy gives you plenty offense. He's like Matt Wieters. Right. He, he, exactly. He's going he's gonna to hit around two forty, two fifty. He's going to. Yep. He hits with some power. But he's a great catcher, great pitch framer, and he helps you win ball games. And he was basically a three-war player last year. And if yeah. you look at, and he's already basically at two this year. He's at like one point eight. So. You know, that's a guy who can be really helpful to a club. And I, I think Oakland, and, and why I wanted to bring this up, it, it it doesn't really apply to Montas because everyone knows Frankie Montas. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows he's one of the best pitchers in baseball and that he's going to get dealt at the trade deadline. But everyone is overlooking the other guys on Oakland. Even a guy like Paul Blackburn is, has pitched really well for Oakland this year. And Sean Murphy's going to be an interesting one. So, you know, of course, there's the Juan Sotos of the world. Of course, there was Luis Castillo, Frankie Montas, Pablo Lopez. But, man, this guy is, is legit and going to be a great ad for whoever gets him. I I absolutely agree with you. Great sounding off segment as always, Zach. We got to catch our second break when we come back. Uh, we're gonna do the payoff pitch around the league, and then after that, on the bat around Orioles banter. Hey, Birdland, join in on the fun and celebrate the 30th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Saturday, August 6th, as the O's take on the Pittsburgh Pirates at 5.05. The first 15,000 fans 15 and over will receive a 30th anniversary Oriole Park t-shirt. Then stay post-game for the Birdland Summer Music Series presented by Miller Lite, I Love the 90s concert, featuring Drew Hill with a special performance by Cisco and Smash Mouth. Tickets start as low as $15 at orioles.com tickets. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going, gone. Find out more and get your order in at 
glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Get your tickets now for the premier high school lacrosse games of the year. The 17th annual All-America Lacrosse Boys and Girls Senior All-Star Games will be on Saturday, July 30th at Johns Hopkins Historic Homewood Field. This is your chance to see the future lacrosse stars up close and in person as they showcase why they are the best in the country. Go to allamericalacrosse.com and get your tickets now. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. Also inside, find tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karinji, Maryland soccer coach Sasho Sarovsky, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and Poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl, the athletes who lives these coaches have impacted offering insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time press box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. All right. Welcome back to the Battle Round. Coming to you from our new press box studios here in Towson on a lovely Saturday. We haven't even talked about the weather today. It's beautiful. It's a lovely Saturday morning here in Baltimore. It's not hot and muggy like it's been for what felt like a year. Even though it was only like 10 days, it Mm -hmm. felt like a freaking Mm -hmm. year how hot it was. But uh, we're about to get into the payoff pitch around the league, which is brought to you today by the latest edition of Press Box, which is available now. And it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. And inside, tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karunji, Maryland soccer coach Sasho Sarovsky and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl. Those at the athletes whose lives the, the, these coaches have impacted offer insights at what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Can, can I bring up something real quick? Sure. It was going to be a final thought, but I, I can't say the name of the company. 
But uh, I can talk about Ryan Mountcastle having a certain commercial that he does mm-hmm. uh, during <laughs> during every O's mm-hmm. games. I just wanted to get your thoughts on those on, on, on that commercial because it's frankly one of the uh, the more confusing things that that I've seen all year. It's an interesting. I one. Ha- I know the commercial you're talking about. I can't remember what it's about. I've only never okay. paid attention to. it. Never mind then. Thought we could joke a little bit about it, but it's it's an interesting one. Next time you you, you watch Mass, and next time you watch an O's game, look out for Ryan Mountcastle. I've He's- seen I've seen the commercial <laughs> plenty of times, but I I tend to we have a puppy. So uh, when, yeah, when the yeah. commercials are going on, I tend to either talk to my wife or pay attention to the puppy. Uh, yeah, so okay. I'm not really paying attention to uh, Ryan Mountcastle. In, is it for like sunglasses or something like no, that? No, it's for a car insurance company. Oh, because um, I think he's wearing sunglasses. Or he, he is, did. he is. And, and he's he has the shirt on and everything. It's great. Yeah. It's, it, they probably paid him and then they were like, oh yeah, be as corny as possible because it is the corniest commercial you've ever seen. He acts like a goofball in it. It's like it's, um, it's incredible. It really is. It's gotta incredible. call Gabco with, with Jonathan Ott. It's basically with, yeah, yeah. with his hands yeah. going like this, or, um, or like Justin at Easter Motors. Yeah. Oh, your, we can't, we can't your, say that. Your, your jobs, your cred. I don't even think Easter Motors exists anymore. But they oh, had they, the entire. Right. They had the entire basically uh, starting offensive team from the Washington at the time Redskins. Uh, Clinton Portis was in those commercials. Man, I, I, there's been. Some cheesy, corny local oh, the, commercials. The, the Joey Rickard commercial from a few years ago. Again, I can't name. I can't name who we did sure we that can. for. Sure, we can. Royal Farms Royal is a sponsor Farms, yeah. for us. Oh, that's right. That's right. Royal, Royal Farms, Farms is, a sponsor. is a sponsor. Joey Rickard's commercial for Royal Farms, a classic. Yeah, an absolute classic. I've never seen a Rule Five guy who had a very uh, mediocre at best career get so much love <laughs> like, and attention to the point yeah. where he's doing a Royal Farms commercials alongside Justin Tucker. And now Justin Tucker's getting a slushy for the kids and pumping gas like I am right now, and it's great. Love it. He's an everyman. Love these commercials. He's an everyman. The payoff pitch around the league. Anthony Santander homered and drove in two, and Cedric Mullins drove in a pair on a single in the ninth to break a 2-2 tie as the Orioles took down the Reds 6-2. Let him miss Diaz homer twice, and Jordan Alvarez became the fastest Astro to reach 30 home runs in the season, doing it in his 84th game as the Astros beat the Mariners for the fifth time since the All-Star break, 11-1. Jose Ramirez homered and drove in three to back seven innings of one-run ball from Shane Bieber as the Guardians did the Orioles a favor, topping the Rays 4-1. Willie Castro homered, and Harold Castro drove in two to lead the Tigers past the Blue Jays 4-2. Brendan Woodruff struck out nine over six in the third innings of one-run ball, and Willie Adamas collected three hits and a ribby as the Brewers took care of business against the floundering Red Sox 4-1. Seth Brown homered twice, and Stephen Piscotty added a three-run shot to power the A's past the White Sox 7-3. Aaron Judge collected his ninth multi-homer game of the season, including a grand slam and an eight-run eighth inning to lift the Yankees over the Royals 11-5. Austin Riley continued his monster season doubling twice and homering while driving in three as he proved to be the difference in a Braves 5-2 win over Arizona the two doubles gave him 29 on the season. Homer gave him 29 on the season. Uh, Will Smith and Trace Thompson combined for a pair of two-run homers to pace the offense as the Dodgers improved to a major league best 67-32, and defeating the Rockies 5-4. Miles, is it Michaelis? Michaelis, yeah. Miles Michaelis allowed just two runs and seven solid innings, and the Cardinals' 6-9 hitters have five of the team's six hits, including both homers to lead the Cardinals over the Nationals 6-2. Reese Hoskins went 4-4 four for four and drove in three to help the Phillies keep pace with the Cardinals for the final wild card spot, taking down Pittsburgh 4-2. The Mets stayed hot, winning their fourth straight thanks to five hits and six RBIs from Brandon Nimmo and Starling Marte at the top of the order as they defeated the Marlins 6-4. Zach's favorite shortstop, Miguel Rojas, drove in three in the loss. The Padres hit five home runs and got six innings of one-run ball out of 
trade chip Blake Snell to pound the Twins 10-1. Martin Perez allowed one run over seven innings to lead the Rangers over the Troutless and Hapless Angels 7-2. And finally, Alex Cobb struck out 11 over six brilliant one-run innings, but his lone blemish of Patrick Wisdom home run made him the hard luck loser as the Cubs won for the seventh time in eight games. 4-2 over the Giants. The two teams combined for one run in the first eight innings and then five in the ninth. Zach, what you got for me? We got a lot of good games on tap today. We have the Guardians and the Rays at 110 at Tropicana Field. Zach Plesak versus Corey Kluber. Then we got the Royals at 2 o'clock. They're versus the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Jonathan Heasley versus Nestor Cortez, who is having a really, really good season this year. Tigers at Blue Jays, 307. Drew Hutchison versus Ross Stripling at the Rogers Center. Brewers at Red Sox. Eric Lauer is having a really good year as well, a good lefty. Against Nick Pavetta, Brewers at Red Sox, 410 at Fenway Park. The Mets and the Marlins. Marlins don't know who they're starting yet, but it's at 610 at Lone Depot Park. Carlos Carrasco, the former Guardian, will take on the Marlins for the Mets. Orioles and Reds. Dean Kramer looks to bounce back from his... Not, not a great start last time, but it looked to bounce back against Tyler Maley, who's a trade candidate coming up on August 2nd, 640 at Great American Ballpark. Mar Mariners at Astros, 710 at Minute Maid Mar Park. Mariners? Mariners at Astros, the, the Luis Castillo Mariners. Um, we'll take on the Astros. Chris Flexen and Framber Valdez, two pitchers having really good years, 710 at Minute Maid Park. Cardinals and Nationals, 715 Dakota Hudson versus Eric Fetty. Nationals Park at 715. Twins at Padres, Sonny Gray, Joe Musgrove who's closing in on a really big extension. Looks like he's going to get around $100 million from the Padres, 715 at Petco Park. Ranger Suarez versus Mitch Keller. Phillies at Pirates, 715 PNC Park. Ranger Suarez, again, kind of holding down the, the, the back of that Phillies rotation, having a good year for them, the, the good lefty. Athletics, they're going to be sellers in a few days. At White Sox, 715 at Guaranteed Rate Field. Paul Blackburn, who I just mentioned a few minutes ago, trade candidate for sure, against Johnny Cuedos, kind of having a resurgence here um, at the end of his career. A, a good veteran who also might be on the move. We'll see. D-backs at Braves, 720 at Truist Park. Corbin Martin versus Ian Anderson. Uh, Dodgers at Rockies, Clayton Kershaw, the legend, will take on his fellow lefty, Kyle Freeland. 810 at Coors Field. Cubs at Giants, 905, Drew Smiley, Jacob Junis go head-to-head. -head. Rangers and Angels for the final game of the night, Glenn Otto versus Chase Silseth, 907 at Angels Stadium. Again, the Troutless Angels will try to beat the Rangers. Very good, very good. Thank you very kindly for that, Zach. Now, we're going to get into Orioles banter here. Banter. Uh, and I've entitled this one, What Do You Do? But first and foremost, okay. we have a commenter who has commented on this show a lot. We enjoy him. Uh, kind of. <laughs> it got to the point where he blamed me for the Orioles building the wall in left field. I had to block the guy on social media because... It was it was too much, man. Like he was coming at me, and I was like, I don't want to deal with this. Paul Valley did not build the wall. Let's just I, make I, that I did clear. not. I'm not the reason for it. I can't no. be blamed for it. Paul I, Valley I had, did not do that. I had literally nothing to do with this. <laughs> nothing to do with it. Nothing no. to do with this. Nor did I. Um, and look, I'm I'm not trying to alienate anybody. And this guy today has made some points in his sure. in in his rant. He feels very strongly that Trey Mancini should be traded. Yeah, right. That is that is his argument here. And nobody here is thinking with their heart and not their head, as I've been accused of today. Um, there's a couple of things I want to address. First and foremost, a lot of people do not like me on Twitter when it mm -hmm. comes to the Oars. A lot of people. Uh, you're, you're passionate. A you're lot passionate. of a lot of people do like me. A lot of people don't like me. 
Uh, and the people that don't like me, I've had people attack me. Uh, I've had people come after my wife. Oh, in, that in, was in their ridi- comments. I saw the, that, that was, was ridiculous th- the other day. It was the third time in the last month that somebody's made a comment about my wife. Yeah. To me, yeah. guys, my wife's off limits. All right. Don't say a damn word about my wife. I couldn't believe that the other day. Don't that. say a damn word about my wife. That is my wife. Yeah. You don't like me and my Orioles takes fine. You Nothing come after to do with you her. come after my yeah. wife and you're making it personal. Not yeah. a word about my. You're a scumbag. If you're gonna bring my wife into this, okay. That's first. Second, guys, I'm not here to cheerlead, right? I'm not here to tell you it's okay that Adley Rutschman went 0 for 4 and left seven men on base a few weeks ago. We like to be realistic here. I'm not going to tell you it's okay that Trey Mancini went 0 for 27 because he's Trey Mancini, Mm -hmm. all right? I'm not going to tell you that Ruth Neto Door hitting 200 is okay because it's not. Right. Ruth Neto Door, I don't hate the guy. I th- I do know what I, I do enjoy what he brings to the clubhouse, what he brings to the team, and the chem- part, how big he is at, at, in team chemistry. But he's in two hundred. We have very limited expectations, and I think what we we try to do on the show is yes, we take it from an Orioles fan perspective, mm-hmm. but we also take it from a realistic perspective. We don't want to be out here saying and carrying the Orioles water and saying everything is fine and happy and perfect. We're not mm-hmm. going to say that because they are fifty one and forty nine. They're not, you know, they haven't won sixty eight games like the Yankees have, frankly. So we're not going to be defending every single. We we want to be realistic about everything, right? And, and you know, I. People accused other people. Some people did freak out about Vavra having not played yet. All I said was, I don't know why he's not in the lineup. Yeah. I would have thought he would have been. Right? Look, I, I have this show because I'm passionate, but also because I'm realistic, and I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay? So I'm not going to sit here and tell you what you want to hear if it's not something that I believe in. All right? I was also accused of not um, being able to handle it when things don't go my way when it comes to the Orioles. I may be like that in life. I'm not like that with the <laughs> Orioles. It's it's baseball. At the right. end of the day, I'm still going to get up and go to work. And, you, and frankly, I, I'm, you, I'm still going to provide for my family. Yeah. I'm still going to live my life. Like it's, it's it's baseball. I love it, but there are people way, way more qualified than me running this team and a part of this team that I'm not going to sit there and let it bother me more than a little bit. Because frankly, you have no control over it. Right, right. We're, exactly. We're, exactly. We're taking an outside perspective here, and we're keeping it real. When it comes to Trey Mancini, I... Um, it's a, you, you, you're, you, you're thinking with your head and your heart at the same time because that's the way you have to handle the situation. Is there a spot for Trey Mancini on the next Orioles championship team? No. Oh. No. He's 30 years old. He's a DH first base type who occasionally plays the outfield yeah. in, in mediocrity, mm-hmm. right? His outfield skills right. in mediocrity. Um, he's on the downward side of his career, but we have to be honest about this. I would this. think so, yeah. You know, the, the, this isn't a guy who's hitting two ninety seven with 35 homers and 38 doubles like he did in 2019. He's on the downward side of his career at this point. Right. Uh, through no fault of his own. You know what I mean? You you go through cancer, you get chemotherapy, it takes a lot out of you, and everybody will tell you, you're not the same. Uh, physically, you're not the same after going through chemotherapy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, uh, I'm not begrudging him for this. Do If the Orioles could get, get, get back a top five talent, or a top five prospect, or if they could get right. a legitimate starting pitcher for Trey Mancini, absolutely trade him. Right, right. We wouldn't but, be but, questioning it. But the Yankees got two prospects in uh, I'm sorry, the Yankees gave up two two top twenty pro- two I'm sorry two prospects in the twenties in yeah. their top thirty 
for Andrew Benintendi. Right. Who at this point in his career is younger and better than Trey Mancini. Right. What did, those are two prospects in the 20s in one right. organization. Not in the 20s in the top 100, in an organization's top 30. Right. What do you expect to get for Trey Mancini? Yeah, exactly. And and Jeff, I believe, mentioned uh, Easton Lucas coming over for right. for Jonathan VR. And I've made that exact same comparison before because I, I see these as very similar. They traded VR, in my opinion, just to trade him. They didn't want they to want pay, to pay him twelve they, million. They didn't want to pay him twelve million, so they traded him just to get rid of that salary. And they got Easton Lucas. And I, you know, I haven't followed Easton Lucas uh, to an incredible degree, but I would guess that Easton Lucas is not going to be a top prospect in this organization or even a mid tier prospect right. in this organization. That's the kind of guy you're going to get. You just heard Jeff Arnold say it. Jeff Arnold's around this team. He hears stuff. That's that's the kind of guy you're going to get for Trey Mancini. If you don't believe us, believe Jeff, right? right. I mean, that's that's the kind of guy you're going to get for Trey Mancini. It's not going to be a lot, so you have to think, is it worth it to get a guy like Easton Lucas, who is a low-tier prospect, and that's probably, again, what the value they're going to get, or should we keep the guy who who keeps a great clubhouse dynamic is and, loved. and is beloved by the city and does great things for the city? Mm-hmm. Now, you know, th- this guy keeps saying, well, it's a business. And I do agree. I'm, I'm all about it's a business. Yeah, that's kind of my philosophy, my mindset, too. But here, you're just not going to get enough back. With, with, with Trey Mancini, and like I said, that's how you have to think with your head and with your heart. Mm-hmm. Because thinking with your head, you're not getting anything of value back for him. Right, you're not. So that's you're when not. you think with your heart and you're saying he's more valuable to us exactly. right now than he is to any other team. Right. And he's more valuable than anything we're going to get in return. Now let's now let's look at it this way. If if they trade Jorge Lopez, which we're going to get into in a minute, mm-hmm. but say they, they traded Jorge Lopez and just I'll throw the Padres out there for example. Say the Padres want Lopez and they say, "Okay, throw in Trey Mancini and we'll up the prospect just a little bit that we're going to give you." Maybe we'll, we'll give you Manny Machado. <laughs> yeah, we'll Done. Right, exactly. Maybe they'll up it just a little bit and they'll give you a little more value because you threw Trey Mancini in there as a sweetener. Then, sure. If you're upgrading the prospect on top of a of a package deal, I think that makes a lot of sense. But if you're going to trade Mancini one for one or even one for two, you're maybe you're going to get two Dominican Summer League guys or whatever it is, that's what we're talking about. That's the, mm-hmm. the, the idea that Paul and I have been talking about here that we are, are somewhat against. If you're getting Easton Lucas or Elio Prado. Right, exactly. Uh, those Prado got traded three years ago, mm-hmm. and he's just now in, in able. And he's not. He's hitting 196. I right. just checked yesterday. Right. right. Uh, Easton Lucas got traded for three off seasons ago, and he's just getting to Double A now, right. and he's nothing to write home about. We don't even right. know his numbers because he hasn't doing anything to. He's to, not to, notable to frankly, gain yeah. to gain our attention. If you, that's what you're getting for Trey Mancini, what's the point? Exactly. What's the point? Exactly. And I said at the beginning of the show, you're, this ain't Manny Machado, right. who is leaving in free agency and you risk getting nothing. No. This is Trey Mancini who is leaving in free agency, yeah. and you're basically. Getting the same thing whether you trade him or let him walk. And here's the thing: if if Trey Mancini ends up walking at the end of this year and they they kept him, then everyone will say, "Oh, well, you could have traded him and got something for him." But say they get a guy like Easton Lucas, and that guy gets released in a few years, similar to how Christopher Cespedes just did. Or I mean, because minor leaguers get released all the time, you mm-hmm. have to make room for new guys and your international signing period times. And of course, in the in during the draft and the trade deadline, you have to make room for new guys on your roster. So. That, and frankly, by the way, Easton Lucas had a 520 ERA this year. So and Bowie. So yeah. that that's the kind of guy you're gonna get. And if he walks, it'd be the same thing as Trey Mancini walk uh, walking at the end of this year. So yeah. frankly, we're not against the fact that Trey Mancini could get traded. We're against not getting anything for him. Right. He's more valuable even for the last two and a half months of the season right. than he is being traded traded elsewhere at this point. 
Look, this deadline is fast approaching. The teams in front of you are making moves. You watch uh, the Mariners go out and get Luis Castillo. And I'm not necessarily saying that the Orioles need to respond to that because the Mariners entered this season. They missed the, play- the, the playoffs last year by a game. It came down to the last game of the year. They, they, I think they won the game, and it still didn't matter, mm-hmm. right? They went out, and they got Eugenio Suarez. They, yeah. they traded for, for Winker. They, um, they signed Robbie Ray. They entered this year expecting yeah. to win, and they didn't to start. Right. Then they got hot. They won 14 games in a row. They won 14 games in a row, and they're still only seven games above 500. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they've lost five of eight coming out of the All-Star break. They haven't made the playoffs since 2001. They have the longest playoff drought in professional sports. So they go out and get Luis, Luis Castillo because they need to be where they expected to be and where they were supposed to be based on the moves that they made in the right. offseason. The Orioles weren't supposed to be here. The Orioles weren't supposed to be close to here. They were supposed to win maybe 65 games this year. Mm-hmm. And that could still happen. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen. They, that, right. But that could still happen. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be surprising. It'd be incredible. Probably, yeah. probably the most disappointing part of the of the, the rebuild. <laughs> it to would date. be. It would be. Um, teams behind you, the Rangers, who were ten games under five hundred going into last night, they were heavily in on Luis Castillo, but they couldn't get it done. Yeah, uh, and for some reason, you know, I don't know about if I defend the Rangers thinking on that one. I'm, I'm not. I'm not defending their thinking. Oh, I know you're not. But, I'm but, just the, but, I'm but not. the teams behind you are trying to make moves, right? Yeah. Right to try and bolster and maybe make a make a playoff run. So what should the Orioles do? What should they do? You, you've got Jorge Lopez. You've got um, Trey Mancini, Anthony Santander, Jordan Lyles, Ruth Neto Dorr to a certain extent. Uh, another guy who may be more valuable to your team than some than anybody else, mm-hmm. right? Um, another bullpen piece, maybe a maybe a Dylan Tate. Yeah. Um, and in talking with Stan, and in talking with Jeff, and in hearing some the, the chatter around the Orioles' Twitter sphere. It seems as though they're not really going to be... I don't think they're in on Pablo Lopez. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't think, think they're, they're in either. on Tariq Skubal. Yeah. Um, I, 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 well, I, again, what, so it, what, what do you do? I think this team is a contender. When you're asking what do they do, do you mean as a buyer or a seller? Either or. Or, or either or. or. Okay. Like, okay. Like, unequivocally, what are they going to be? And they can, they can I, be both. My, my thought right now, if I had to put money on it, if I was making a bet here... I would say that they would be minor sellers. That they, you know, a guy like Trey Mancini or a guy like Anthony Santander might be traded. And, and Lopez, I see as like a maybe thirty percent chance at this point, but mm-hmm. I see a little bit higher for those other two guys. That's kind of where I see them. I would be surprised if they go out and buy anyone. It's not for a lack of trying either. I think they might try, but the fact is, is that you have teams like the New York Yankees looking for starting pitching that are going to outbid you. And that would be the problem. The Yankees are going to be willing to give up more than the Orioles, and that's true for a lot of teams um, because that's the way they should be operating right now. The Orioles shouldn't be giving up a guy like Jordan Westbrook right now. That's just the way it is. Um, Maybe in the offseason you rethink that. Let's see how this year ends up. But right now, that's probably not the smartest idea. So even if they try, it's likely they get outbid. Yeah, and look, there there are some guys in the system who you could trade to get one of these controllable, yeah. ace-like pitchers. I'll tell you right now that Gunnar Henderson's untouchable. Mm-hmm. Grayson Rodriguez, right. D.L. Hall, untouchable. Guy like Colton Kowser could probably be had sure. in the right deal. And Westberg, too. I'm just and, saying and, and Westberg now. in the right deal. Uh, Kyle Stowers mm-hmm. could be had. I am a, you know, Aaron Judge is a free agent. 
yeah. after this year. Yeah. yeah, he is. He's going to cost you about forty, forty-five million dollars a year. Yeah. But he's a, he's a free agent. He is. He seems to be the one person who is consistently con- I, him and Ramona Rios who have conquered Mount Baltimore. Yeah. Um, yeah. the Orioles aren't signing Judge. I, no, I know. Unlikely. It, 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 it's, it's a pipe dream of mine, but. It, <laughs> It stands to reason that if you are two games above 500 right now, you're two games back of the final wild card spot, mm-hmm. and you've got a stretch of games here against bad teams, yeah. teams that are behind you in the standings, that you could realistically be six, seven games above yeah. 500 after this stretch of nine games. Uh, the fifth game of this stretch is the trade deadline. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. I I, I really don't know... What I want them, to, what what I want them to do, what I think they should do, I, I you're, I'm still in that mode, in that mindset because I've watched Orioles baseball long enough that I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, and, and the problem is too. Um, you look at what the Mariners did this year. Let's use them as an example. They went out and got three really good players: mm-hmm. Robbie Ray, Eugenio Suarez, and Jesse Winker. And all three have been okay. Especially Winker has actually hasn't been very good. Uh, but all three have been okay. We'll use that as a broad term. And Eric DaCosta, GM of the Ravens, always says, right player, right price. Mm-hmm. And I think if the Orioles got right player, right price, they'd be fine with that. But you look at a team that, like the Mariners, that added three guys that were supposed to make a huge impact, and they haven't, that may scare the Orioles away from really trying to go after it right now at the trade deadline. If they got right player, right price, they might. But if they're going out and getting a guy who you know might have a marginal impact... I don't know if they're going to rush it. I, I think they might wait till the offseason to try to do stuff like that. If it's right, do it. But I, I'm not sure they're going to reach and, and try too hard on a guy like Pablo Lopez because it, it's just not going to happen. It's just unlikely. Right. And, and so then I look at what the Orioles have mm-hmm. in tow right now. And the first person I think of is Ramona Rios. Yeah. He ha- does, he's hitless his last three games. But before that, he was setting the world on fire. Yeah. He's, the or- he's been one of the Orioles' most valuable players since he came off the IL a month ago. Right. And what's his future? What's his future? Because he ain't playing shortstop. That's for damn sure. No. He ain't playing third base over Gunnar Henderson. Do you keep him at second base and trade Westberg? Or... Because... because Jackson Holiday in two or three years is going to be playing shortstop for the Orioles. Right. That, that's the whole point of taking him number one overall. Sure. Gunnar Henderson is going to be playing third base. Those guys aren't going anywhere. Right. So who's playing second? Is, yeah, is, is I, it Westberg? Is it Prieto? Is it Vavra? Is it Arias? Uh, What do you do with Ramon Arias? So I I, I personally think, just based on what I've seen from Ramon Arias so far, I believe he has a career of a five-war over about 162 games Mm -hmm. um, that he's played in his career, which would be a five-war player per year. I don't know if he's that guy. I'm not sure he's that guy. But if he is, that is probably a better player than Jordan Westberg is, in my opinion. I think Gunner. I, I think that you know Gunner Henderson and Jackson Holiday probably have the left side of the infield locked down. So you're right. It's probably about what happens at second base. I do believe Ramon Arias can be a better player than Jordan Westberg. I think it's possible. Um, Westberg strikes out a lot. The contact is maybe not where you want to see it. He might be like a 230, 240 hitter at the major league level. And if Ramon Arias can hit, you know, 280, then he's certainly in a much better spot. Obviously, the power is going to come a lot more from Westberg. But then again, Ramon's got like, what, 12 home runs this year already? So I see it both ways. I see it as, you know, hold on to Ramon Arias for a little bit, and then you can trade Westberg because you're going to get a nice return for Westberg. You get a, you know, maybe a, a, a nice controllable starting pitcher, something like that. But then again, maybe 
Jordan Westbrook is going to be better. I mean, that's why these these, these teams have such hard decisions to make. Um, right. it, it's a really tough one. I I don't love the defense from Ramoneries. It's been fine this year. Um, it's been I, better at third base. Than it, second. It, it definitely has, and I, I would worry a little bit long term. And I think Westbrook would be a little more sure-handed there. Um, it just comes down to maybe who they think is going to be the better bat long term. I think right now I might lean Arias. But I, you know, if he, if he would just have to keep this up for sure. Uh, yeah, but and, and right now he's slumping a little bit. He is slumping he, he, a little something bit. Something like yeah. over his last thirteen or tw- yeah. fourteen or something like that. But he was a two WAR player last year, and he's on track to be like a four player, four WAR player this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's already at about three this year. So to me, you also have to have to remember that he spent significant time on the IL he did. the last two years. He did. He's inconsistent. Not everything's perfect with him, but I, I might try to stay the course with him and keep him there. Yeah, you, you certainly have to have to see. What you have now, sure. I, I move on to Anthony Santander, and we've talked about him a lot yeah. today, especially with with uh, Stan. Uh, uh, by the way, I was at the game on Wednesday, and this guy next to me just did not like Anthony <laughs> Santander, um, and he called him on balls hit to right field. He goes, "Oh, there's another one to Anthony San Stan to Anthony San Stan there, Stan stand there." And I thought today was hilarious. It was it's like a, it was really good, Anthony San stand there. Um, but I digress. Uh, Hitting a lot better. I take full credit um, because because of the <laughs> you tweet that, 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 that he that he liked, and he's like, "I'll show you a three four hitter." And he goes yeah. out and he's hitting like a three four hitter. Um, uh, I kid, I kid. Um, it's a guy who's valuable to your team and valuable to other teams, and power from both sides. Plays good defense. You know, he's he's been a good outfielder yeah. uh, when he's healthy, and he's been healthy this year, right? Yeah. Healthy, knock on wood. Uh, and he's still relatively young. Was he twenty seven? 28? That's a good question. I, I think 28 I think would be he, I my think guess. He's, I think yeah. he's 28 years old. He's still relatively yeah. young. And if you trade him and you call up Kyle Stowers, you're probably taking a hit mm-hmm. offensively. Now, look, Kyle Stowers, uh, he hit 270. He slashed 279, 388, 559 in June, 280, 365, 547 in July. He's got four multi-hit games in his last four games. Yeah. Average up to 263. He he hits the ball hard when that, consistently. A lot of power, a lot of homers, a lot of doubles, a lot of RBIs. I think he actually leads the Orioles system majors through minors yeah. in RBIs. But AAA is a different animal, different ball game than than uh, no pun intended, different animal uh, than the major leagues. Do you hang on to Santander and then try to trade him in the offseason? Or do you trade him now to get if it helps bring a pitcher yeah. and gets Kyle Stowers some playing time? What do you what do you do here? Again, it could be that right player, right price philosophy. Mm-hmm. And and you say, if we can get someone we really like for Santander and we feel that it's a hundred percent um the best move for our franchise and you are sure like you you have to commit to it i feel like with this one um it's not just a oh you know trade them and just hope it works out this you have to commit to this one because it is a big move and, and it opens up a spot i i do think they're going to trade him i still am am like 60% sure now if you can trade him and Keegan Aiken to the Padres for Blake Snell do you make the um, he, Blake Snell has a 285 ERA in July yeah and they're trying to Big unload contract, him. contract, though, right? Yeah. It's, it's only one more year of it. One more year, year, okay. Do you make that trade? Do, do you... Oh, I would. Uh, I people would. People <laughs> say, I don't want Blake Snell here. Stan doesn't want Blake Snell here. 
Blake Snell's a good pitcher. Blake Snell is a good pitcher who's had some bad luck, and mm-hmm. he hasn't pitched to his fullest ability. Um, he's a much better. He won Cy Young a few years ago. I mean, the yeah. guy, the guy's really, really good. Twenty-one and five with a one-eight-nine ERA. Yeah, I mean, th- this guy is legit, and I, I'm not sure San Diego's the place for him. Maybe he just doesn't get to. I, I'm not sure what it is. I don't want to speak on it because I don't know, but I, I do think he would be a very good ad if you can trade him for Santander every day of the year. Yeah. I'm making that deal every day. Yeah, uh, to me, it's um. That's to me. That's a no-brainer. Now, I don't know that that's enough to get it done. Maybe it is enough to get it done. I, I really have no idea. Like, well, there's a chance to add Mancini as a sweetener. They, yeah. that's exactly what I was talking about. That's a good. You know, maybe you get a prospect back too if that happens. I, I just normally I think I'd be able to tell you. Look, the Orioles are probably going to trade this guy. Trade this guy. They're going to. Mm. They're going to do this. I have no idea. And we've been very what very accurate in our yeah. predictions for the Orioles over the past few years. Yeah. We we've been pretty accurate, and yeah. this and one's hard. I have. No idea what they're gonna do come Tuesday. Yeah, I have no clue. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see everybody stay. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Maybe they trade a, a, a reliever. Yeah, but I, it would not. Dylan Tate. I, maybe? I, 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 th- I still think you got to hold on to him. Okay. Uh, you know, he, he's controllable. Got an electric arm. He's having a really good year. Right. I'm more inclined now than I was a month ago to trade Jorge Lopez yeah. because I, what I've seen from him in in certain situations, to me, I think there's a little bit, despite what what, what Jeff and Stan say, the, 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 to me there's a little bit of a mental makeup issue there where, well, where he, puts yeah. too, he puts too much pressure on himself. And there's going to be imminent regression. I think right. that's that's got to happen because and, the and guy's been unhittable this year. For the last year and coming into this year, I said Felix Bautista is a future closer. He's there. And, and, and what he's doing right now, the, again, 102 mile an hour fastball mm-hmm. followed up by an 88, 89 mile an hour split finger that falls off the table. Yeah, uh, that's a leg- that's an elite closer. Yeah. right there, and he's proving it right now. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, so I don't think that you're missing anything if you get rid of Jorge Lopez because Felix Bautista steps right into that yeah. closer role. I I am, and then you can have Nick Vespi, who's has yeah. one bad outing and his ERA got inflated because of it. Uh, Nick Vespi's got a great arm, and you've got P- Perez and Tate. And, uh, I can see them trading Lopez, but uh, again, it's going to have to be something that not necessarily blows you away, but it's going to have to be really, really worthwhile yeah, for the I, Orioles. I think you can get a, a three-starter for a guy yeah. like that. I think that's possible. Um, and maybe you have the guys to replace him, maybe you don't. Maybe you you know call up D.L. Hall and stick him in the bullpen and use him mm-hmm. as a back-end guy uh, to start out his career. That's possible. Um, but I, you know, I, I feel like the Orioles would want to know who would replace him immediately. And relief pitchers, they're the most replaceable guys on the team, outside of first baseman, probably. Yeah. Um, they're, they're probably pretty easy to replace. And the Orioles have been unbelievable with waiver claims. I mean, you got guys like C.N.L. Perez and Jorge Lopez himself as a waiver claim. Joey Crable. So, the, the, Joey they, have, Crable. they have five waiver claims in their bullpen. Right, exactly. And Felix Bautista is a guy they got uh, as an undrafted, or not an undrafted free agent, but a minor league free agent mm-hmm. so guys like this they're good at getting them clearly so i would i would personally trade lopez again right player right price now you mentioned dl hall and he had the bad start the other day he gave up four runs while he was in the game two more runs scored after he left so it was six runs in the first inning uh-huh. allowed his worst start of the year yeah but before that he was absolutely phenomenal i don't think that that has anything to do with what the Orioles' plan is for him no i at, I, I agree. at all I expected him, after that one-inning start last Friday, I expected him to make a start against Tampa Bay. He did not. When do we see D.L. Hall? 
It's a great question. I want to know, too. Um, this is something that has felt like it's dragged on a little longer than I would have expected. Especially, didn't Mike Elias say uh, in a pre, like a pre-year like a pre press conference that we would see him early and often or something along those lines? He, he, he was like, if he does what we know he's capable of doing, we could see him pre- pretty quickly. Yeah, which I feel like he has done what they should have expected the, for the most part. The control- up and down until... But he also realized he was tipping pitches, and once he mm-hmm. made that mechanical adjustment, they couldn't touch him. Right. Right, so... Dude's got an electric arm, throws four pitches for strikes, oh, throws, guy, throws yeah. 100 miles an hour yeah. from the left side. Uh, he's a, he, he should be in the major leagues at, by now, but they also, yeah. the same yeah. issue as Tyler Wells, you've got to watch his, in, watch his innings. Definitely. He only threw 32 last year. He's approaching his career high this year. Um, and that's why he might be a great replacement if you trade Jorge Lopez. Right, but, but, know, then, but, then, the closer. but then you have to have, but he's going to be in your rotation next year. He will be, yeah. Right, yeah. so... Maybe you pair him with Austin Voth, or maybe you pair him with Bradish. Sure. Um, maybe you go to six starters. I have no idea. But D.L. Hall, I, I, I'm assuming his debut is imminent. I would think within the next two weeks. It's I would gotta be shocked. Be. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be. And, and maybe the trade deadline has a lot to do with, with I, what I was happens just about to say that, with D.L. Yeah. Hall. And then finally, to close out, Orioles banter. Gunnar Henderson, man. Is he, is he forcing the Orioles' hand? He's, he's slashing 290, 395, 545, 940. In AAA, he's got an yeah. 11 game hitting streak where he's 15 for 42, three home runs, nine RBIs, two doubles, two triples, five walks to the nine strikeouts, 357, 456, 714, 1160 slash line in the last 11 yeah. games. We're seeing Westberg fall off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Henderson had a little bit of a two week stretch there, but he is back to mashing. Yeah. Two homer game and a four hit performance the other day. I get it. He's your top prospect. Yeah, your your number two prospect behind Grayson Rodriguez. Grayson Rodriguez will be a major league pitcher the next time he pitches. I, you don't want to rush him, but he's proven that he can handle it at every single level. Yeah, I mean, I I certainly think. He's definitely debuting next year. Um, oh, well, I, I, oh, he, he's on. He's, he's your on opening day year. third baseman next year. I, I still remain to think that he's not going to be here this year. I, I do not believe he's going. As much as he forces their hand, um, I still don't think they're gonna they're gonna budge. Um, you know, he he can play as great as he wants, all he wants, and I still don't think they're gonna budge on bringing him up. Yeah. I, I still think he's staying down for for a little bit longer. Well, and it leads me back to that 2012. Orioles team when they called up Manny Machado. Yeah, the difference there, even though they hadn't been winning in 2011, mm-hmm. they ended the season when after Buck came on as manager, they ended the season 34 and 23, best yeah. record in baseball. Yeah. Then 2011 was disappointing, right? right? But they played well down the stretch, and they the curse of the Andino happened. Buck was brought in to make the Orioles a winner. Mm-hmm. So when they're winning in 2012, and then they add Jim Tomey for the veteran for the veteran presence. Yep. And they add Randy Wolf for the veteran presence and a, kind of a guy who you can look to to not be elite in the rotation but can kind of give you what you need. Yeah. And then they call up Manny Machado to shore up the defense and, and, and infuse a little bit of that that exciting youth into yeah, the team. Sure. That makes sense. This is a different team, different circumstances. This is a team that's early. Yeah. In 2022, they're yeah. early. They're they're here maybe a year early. They're not where they expected to be. No, that's for sure. No, and. Uh, Gunnar Henderson is a guy who, just like Manny Machado, has superstar written all over him. He does. Right? But you don't... I don't know, man. I, I, for me, I look at Gunnar Henderson and I say, I don't think that you're going to crush him 
if you call him up and he doesn't do well, I don't yeah. think it's going to crush him because the things that he had weaknesses on last year, he worked on them in the offseason, made them strengths. Better, yeah. Made them better. strengths. So this is a guy who this year, if you call him up and he struggles at the big league level, which he probably would, yeah. maybe he takes that into the. In fact, I know he takes that into the offseason. He works on it, comes back. And starts hot out of the gates. Yeah, I mean, and every rookie's going to struggle to a degree. I mean, we saw Adley Rutschman come up and struggle. We see, we've seen the struggles of Kyle Bradish all year. Um, there's very few guys that come out and are immediately impactful. And they, you know, a lot of guys have to adapt and they have to learn and they have to go back in the offseason and say, okay, what was I doing wrong? Let's watch the film and figure it out and come back better next year. So well, I, I think that could definitely be the scenario if that does happen. And, and you look at Gunner, and yeah, maybe he comes up and he only hits 220. Mm hmm. But he gets on base. Yeah, I'd be all right. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not uh, complaining. Odor's about that. hitting 200 and everybody loves yeah, him, yeah. right? But this is a guy that gets on base. Right. He has a great, ba- just like Rutschman has that great batter's eye. He knows how to work a count. He yeah. will take professional at bats. Right. Uh, you you got to wonder what's going to happen. I'm inclined to think, like you are, Zach, that they don't call him up, yeah. but never say never. Maybe. Definitely not saying never. It could happen. It certainly could. Maybe a late September guy. Definitely not saying Nevin. Not saying Nevin. (laughs) All right, we got to catch our final break. When we come back, take to rake, and we'll close things out with our final thoughts next on The Batter Round. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. That first sip. That first bite. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hey, O's fans, get to Oriole Park early on Friday, August 5th at 7.05 when the first 20,000 fans 15 and over will receive a Cedric Mullins 30-30 Club bobblehead presented by Masson. Celebrate Cedric Mullins' historic 2021 season when he became the first player in Orioles history to join the 30-30 Club with 30 home runs and 30 stolen bases. Tickets start as low as $15. What better way to cheer on the Silver Slugger than at the ballpark that forever changed baseball? Buy tickets at Orioles.com tickets. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. Also inside, find tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karinji, Maryland soccer coach Sasho Sarovsky, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl, the athletes whose lives these coaches have impacted offering insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time press box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com 
Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Kronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook General Manager Leon Twyman and VSIN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Ally Sports Brad Kronthal help you make some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Thank you very much, Zach. It is now time for everyone's favorite take to rake. Last week, Zach took Cedric Mullins. Ryan took Ad- Ryan Blake took Adley Rutschman, and I took Ramon Arias. Cedric Mullins, 6 for 23, a home run, 5 RBIs, 3 walks, 3 stolen bases. That's a 261, 333, 391, 724 slash line. Uh, he did have a sacrifice fly in there, which um, takes away from the on-base percentage. Uh, Ryan t- took Adley Rutschman, 6 for 17, 2 doubles, 1 RBI, 6 walks, 2 hit-by-pitches, a 3 53, 560, 471, 1031 mm. slash line. Mm. I took Ramona Rios. Seven for 24, a double, two home runs, two big home runs, four RBIs, two walks, a 292, 346, 583, 929 slash line. And the reason I said this one was up in the air, look, it, you look at it and it seems Adley Rutschman, but Ramona Rios had two really big home runs. He had more, he uh, drove in more runs, he had more home runs. Um, and overall, more extra... Uh, no, they had the same amount of extra base hits. What were the slash lines again? Could you read those off? Uh, Rutschman, 353, 560, 471, 1031. Arias, mm. 292, 346, 583, 929. I think you probably have to go Rutschman. The yeah, reason I thought yeah. it was up in the air is because um, Arias did more with his hits than Rutschman mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. Rutschman's uh, OPS is so high because he walked six times and got hit by a yeah, pitch twice, yeah. which is, uh, that's not raking. That's just having a great eye at the plate, mm-hmm. right? But he did go six for 17. 353 is pretty good. Yeah. And with a 353 batting average, seven less at bats and two mm-hmm. less games, the Ramon Arias. That's tough. Um, you can call it a tie if you want. I mean, it's... No, you know. no, no. 
we're gonna we're, we're gonna give it to Ryan. Okay. We're, we're gonna give, give it to Ryan, it, and it's not even giving it to him. Adley Rutschman had a, both guys had a great week. Mm-hmm. All three guys really had a really good week, yeah, and, and they all contributed in their own ways to this team. But ultimately, Adley Rutschman, despite it not happening, it, six for seventeen is nothing to, to, to yeah. it, that's no slouch. His impact was felt with the professional bats that he took. Yeah, uh, the six walks, the two hit by pitches that happens. That has nothing to do with your batters. It just means you got hit by a pitch. Um, the six walks, and they were all big. They all got him on base in a time when the Orioles needed him to get on base. And for that, I think his impact, even though Arias' two home runs were big-time game changers, mm-hmm. the impact that Rutschman had overall, I think, was greater. Yeah, And it was consistent the entire week, whereas Arias, um, no hits the last three games. I think he had the one walk. So we're, we're going to give it to Adley Rutschman. We have got to figure out the standings. I have no. I have no clue. I don't know either. What this, basically what's going to have to happen is that I'm going to have to take an hour or two out of my day sometime soon and listen to the tail end of every single show. I hope. Yeah, we'll do it to we'll do to, it. to figure it out. Um, however, we don't have a guest to play. Take the rake. I had the second best week. Okay, go ahead. So I'm going to pick first, and I'm taking Adley Rutschman. <laughs> I, I have yet to take him this year. No, that's not true. I took him one time. I, I took, you, yeah, you took, I him, took him when we had like the three-week break, and um, he, didn't, he didn't do great. Yeah. Um, but I'm taking him. I'm taking Adley Rutschman because I really think that he's the best player on the team right now. Okay. I think he's the best player on the team moving forward. And what he's doing out of the two-hole uh, he and the professional bats he takes, yeah. he's my guy this week. I don't love this one because I don't have a lot of great options here. Um, I'm going to go Santan. Uh, that's a bad idea, though, because if he gets traded, then I'm missing out on the whole week. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Ryan Malcastle's not hitting. Austin Hayes isn't. Mateo's but, been hot as of late, but I don't feel confident enough Mateo. In, in Mateo. So here, here's the thing. Roman Arias is not a great option right now. He's slumping a little bit. Um, and you can't take Cedric. Can't take Cedric. You can't take Trey because he might get traded. Right. Here's, here's the thing. I think of the two... Between Mountcastle and Hayes, Mountcastle's the most likely to break out because Hayes is dealing yeah. with the wrist injury and he just got plunked again on the wrist the other day. I don't day. think either of them are beating Rutschman. But but Mountcastle, he's one swing away from getting hot. I'm not, I don't have any confidence right and he's, now. And he's uh, so free. He's, they're both due. But I think that he has less working against him because of the fact that he's not beat up like Hayes yeah. is. I, I'm still going to go Ramon. I'm going to go Ramon. Ramon Arias? Yeah. Okay. He's due for he's due for a nice game himself. He hasn't yeah, he hasn't right. had a, hit in, in three games. He, he's I, due. I, I can't take Malcastle Hayes. They've just had too many bad swings over the past few days. I, I just don't feel confident enough that they're going to put you know good enough at bats together to to win against Adley Rutschman. So you know I, I'm, right. I'm going to take Ramon. No, it's, it, and Ramon's the, I wouldn't have hated you for any of those picks. Yeah, you know what I mean. You could have taken Odor, but again, I could have taken. He might not be here. I mean, he probably will be. Could but easily get DFA'd the next few days. I don't think they're going to DFA him. I thought that they were. There was a long period of time, up until a couple of weeks ago, where I thought that they were going to DFA him. Yeah. And now I think that they won't DFA him just because of what he means to the team. But it's possible. Just because of what he means to the clubhouse chemistry. Yeah. So with that, that means I get to give my final thought first. And I wrote this, and I'm still so back and forth on this, but my, I honestly believe... Damn it. <laughs> I honestly I believe, honest, I damn also, it. I, get those beavers and damn it. I honestly believe the Orioles should trade for control, controllable pitcher mm-hmm. and call up Henderson by mid-August. Yeah, They're 51-49. and 49. They're 1-0 after the first game of this nine-game stretch versus a weak competition. They have a chance to be six to eight games above 500 once the stretch ends. Mm-hmm. Schedule gets tougher after that. 
You need the players to keep this going. Yeah. I don't think you're in a situation where you should be okay with this thing falling apart. Right? Yeah, I totally agree. Even if you don't make the playoffs, you can show the fan base you made a serious run at this thing without mortgaging mm-hmm. the future. Yeah. If you have to trade Colton Kowser for a Pablo Lopez as part oh, of a I package for a Pablo deal. Lopez, you, you, you have to do Any that. Any day of the year, I do that deal. If you have to include Westberg in a package, you have yeah. to do that. If, yeah. you, if you're going to get a Pablo Lopez or Tariq Skubal, you have to do that. Right. Because... Not everybody that's coming, not every one of these top prospects are going to play for your team. That's just an inevitable fact. Yeah. Right? And we've talked about this before. You have to prepare yourself that some of these guys that you're really excited about and really excited to see play aren't going to play for the Orioles ever. Right. You have to be prepared for that. It's going to be a lot. And if, <laughs> and, and, and if you can trade Colton Kowser, Jordan Westberg, and Anthony Santander. Or Kobe Mayo or someone like that. Yeah. To, to get... A Pablo Lopez or a Therese Kubel, you really have to do that. Sure, yeah. Because what's the one thing that the, the, the so hard to say this now because they've been actually maybe the, the, maybe one thing isn't the right word the, for it, but, but but the rotation yeah has been better the last six weeks yeah. But they were the thing holding the team back at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. right? The, the 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 batting the poor batting with runners in scoring position worked itself out, yeah. and then they got super hot in May and June. And you expected these guys who are slumping right now, Mancini, Hayes, yeah. uh, Mountcastle, if Mancini stays. Um, uh, you expect that they're going to get hot again. Sure. Right? You have to shore up your starting rotation. You can't go into you can't go into the final two months of the season thinking that Spencer Watkins is going to continue to be yeah. what he's been and thinking yeah. that Dean Kramer is going to you know, be a 308 pitcher the rest of the year. And, of you, course, you have to look ahead to next year, too. Right. So. And, and, and if you can have that one guy in your rotation – to go along to know that he's that the guy that you trade for would have to be your opening day starter next year. Yeah, Grayson Rodriguez as good as he is, he's not the Orioles' opening day starter next right. year. That's not happening, right? Uh, so for me, it's if you can get one of those guys who would start for you on opening day next year yeah. and be part of your rotation for two to three more years to come. That's a move that you really have to do. Exactly. And I want to see Gunnar Henderson up here because I don't think that any moment's too big for him. I think he can figure it out pretty quickly at the big league level. They were worried he couldn't do it uh, at the AAA level and worried he couldn't do it against left-handed pitchers. First at bat of the, of, at AAA against a left-handed, hitter, he, he, a left-handed pitcher, he goes deep. And he hasn't really slowed down except for maybe a 10-game stretch. Yeah. Get, get a controllable starting pitcher and bring up Gunnar Henderson and make a serious run at this thing because... Look, look at who's in front of you, Boston. But they're not be, they're not in front of you. They're just behind just you, behind and you. they're they're falling off hard. Yeah, the Rays are beat the hell up. They've already lost Kiermaier and Zanino mm-hmm. for the year. You don't know when Wander Franco is coming back. Uh, their defense has been terrible. The, they're ripe for the taking. Yeah, you can you can get into third place, and oh, then easily, easily. They, they, there's nobody in the central. Really, if you get into third place in the AL East, you're going to be a wild card team. Yeah, right. Because yep. there's no team in the Central that's lighting the world on fire. Right, right. So now is your opportunity to get to the playoffs. Right, and you don't have to change course to do it. No. If I think I think if you can get to the playoffs and maintain your elite ranking in the uh, for farm system rankings, it's something that you absolutely yeah. have to do. I have an observation um, as my final thought from last night. An observation? An observation, yeah, correct. Um, After Brandon High brought in CNL Perez um, in that game, 
And I, I just, it's about CNL Perez here that I think they need to limit his usage a little bit more down the stretch because this is a guy I'm really worried is getting too many innings at the moment. Yeah. He's been great, and I love seeing the guy out there, and I love when he pitches because he's been really effective. He's been really good. But I almost think every close game they're in, he's pitching. And to me, that's it's getting a little worrisome about how and, many, And his how, whip is higher than you'd like it to right, be. Right, it is. And, and I'm getting a little bit worried about how he's going to last down the stretch, especially if they make a playoff run, if, I'm not saying they will, but if they do... They need a guy like CNL Perez in the back of the bullpen. So I would say, you know, use some of your other guys at the moment because CNL Perez is a guy you need to save a little bit, not use in every single close game they have. Um, he, he's pitched a little bit too much for my liking, even though I think I, I love seeing him out there. It's and just about usage for me. Maybe that's that role that DL Hall fills. Maybe, sure. Like, yeah. like you were saying, maybe they because they have to limit his innings, but they want yeah. him to help their big league ball club. Yeah. He becomes a reliever for you for, the, for this sure. year with exactly. the intent of putting him in the rotation next year. I agree with you. I, I think the CNL Perez has pitched a lot and yeah, he's been effective, but he, the the walks and hits per inning are about a one and a half, right? Uh, another guy who I think is maybe they need to limit his usage a little bit is Keegan Aiken, uh, because his ERA is really good, but he's a, over the last um, yeah. ten games or so, but he's allowing a lot of inherited runners to score and he's given up a lot of home runs, um, and, and so this that's a guy who I also think needs to be limited or could be. Yeah part of a trade not not to steal any thunder away from your your final no, thought you're right i mean if you look at you know how many wins the orioles have they have 51 at the moment and he's pitched in 41 games you know mm-hmm. perez that's a lot already um you know you're talking more or less 75 maybe a little bit less than that well, down the stretch so it's just a little concerning to me well, if he's you, if he's pitched in 41 games through 100 games he's not getting to 75 maybe not in, in, the, la- not. in the last 62 uh, he'd have to uh, well We'll see what happens. But well, I, he, I, he had to pitch every, every other day. My entire point is just to have him stay fresh. I think that's mm-hmm. really important for them. Well, and that's when, it, when, when you get back to the rotation is yeah. how do you keep your bullpen arms fresh? You keep them fresh by having your pitchers yeah. get deeper into games. You know, And the Orioles need something for this rotation to get them deeper into games so that you can keep that bullpen fresh. And right. maybe that's why you that's should be reason 1A why you, why you trade for a controllable starter that can get you deep into exactly. the ball games. Man, this show was fun. I was saying to Zach over the break, um, this is one of those shows where you wish you had three hours. Yeah, We already went a half hour over, as it is. So much to talk about. So much exciting stuff happening in Birdland. We are super excited about the, the Baltimore Orioles. And no matter what happens the rest of the year, now look, we don't want them to win 14 games the rest of the year. You know what I mean? But no matter what happens, this season has been exciting and offers you a glimpse into the fun. future. And to hear somebody who's around the team every day, like Jeff Arnold, say, you're past the rebuild and now, past the point where you're trading for for young talent for right. the next few years, you're in a point to hear somebody who's around the team every day say that. It makes you feel like it's exciting. It's it's very exciting that in 2022, when we weren't expecting to be have the season until next year, that yeah. we're saying you're past the rebuild. You know. Gear, gear down, guys. This is going to be a fun final two months. I'm excited to see what happens at the deadline. Excited to see who gets called up, uh, who stays, who goes, and if the Orioles really take a serious... I don't think, even as Mike Elias, I don't think you can look at what the Orioles have done, what their record is, and what the next eight games... And not think, you know what? We got to go for it. This we got a legitimate Agreed. shot here. We Agreed. got a legitimate shot. I'm 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 really excited to see what happens, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks to Stan the Fan Charles as always for his weekly segments. Thank you to Jeff Arnold for joining us on the show. Thanks to Zach Goodman for uh, producing and co-hosting and just being a, one of the best guys I can ever talk baseball with. Certainly appreciate that every week, Zach. We missed you when you weren't here last week. Appreciate that, ball. Until next week. 
Oh, that's no slight to Ryan. Ryan does a great job. Ryan does a great job. Uh, Until next week, thanks for tuning in, guys. See ya!